Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Mubi, a curated streaming service that is dedicated to elevating great cinema from around the globe. For your free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. I love you, baby, won't you? Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the review podcast from filmstage.com. As always, I'm your host, Ryan J. Rowan. With me today, we have Robin Barr. And I got them juicy pictures on the web. <laughs> okay, we also got <laughs> Bill Graham. Hello, hello. <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> sorry i'm not sorry gonna to disappoint be, you <laughs> i'm not gonna be able to recover from robin just coming in hot with i've got them juicy pictures on the web it's not even a quote from the movie it's just what i've taken away from the movie to Good. paraphrase God, yes. all right <laughs> um. okay sweet pea <laughs> <laughs> oh man and that is our guest uh, here today to help us talk about Master Gardener. No definite or indefinite article on this one. Uh, the newest film from writer-director Paul Schrader. It's, I realize now that I didn't ask how to say your name before we began recording, Diana Drum. Got it right on the first try. Boom. Fuck yeah. I was worried that you were going to be like, it's Diana. <laughs> It's Diana Drum. Drum. <laughs> I've actually had somebody correct my name to me. And I'm just kind of like, it's I don't understand. <laughs> it's just, and also, like, they were just like, well, it's the German pronunciation. And I'm like, I'm Irish. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's amazing. Like, just the cockiness of people at your own name. Anyways, not to completely pivot, but. <laughs> no. This, <laughs> I was going to ask if it's German. So you just answered my question. Yeah, no. Because, like, drum, I think, is Celtic or Gaelic. And then we added an extra Ooh. M. As you do. To make yeah, it obvious the, that it's a drum. The, U, <laughs> the UMM is, really feels Germanic, so yeah. Mm -hmm. I believe that. I do have some Czech, but that's a completely different branch. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was trying to think of a way to be like, I wish I had a little more Czech. My bank account's running a little low, but no. Oh! Zing. All right, that, that hurt, Brian. Sucks. I don't care. Um, <laughs> we're here today, as I said, to talk about Paul Schrader's uh, Master Gardener uh, with Joel Edgerton and Sigourney Weaver and Quintessa Swindell. Um, before we get into all that, though, uh, let's learn a little more about our guest, uh, Diana Drum. <laughs> Would you like to tell us a little about yourself? So currently, my official title is I am Director of Marketing and Communications at Quad Cinema which is an art house theater on 13th between 5th and 6th in New York City. Um, pretty so much... Get out your maps, listeners, and find <laughs> Yeah, out. exactly. It's like, what if you don't know how to... Is that in? We say it's Greenwich Village. <laughs> okay, that's... I was... Because I was going to guess that, but I was like, that doesn't feel like it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it's the thing where I think in promo copy, we say we're in the heart of Greenwich Village, but technically <laughs> we're like Greenwich and a little bit of like West Village. Like, we're on the border there. I feel. Right, it's more like the elbow than the heart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so pretty much I'm there at Quad, like, you know, maintaining the website. I'm. They're letting me do some programming here and there. Um, 
her rep series. Like we've got uh, not to completely go into plug mode, but do it. Uh, plug, plug, plug. <laughs> but uh, June 2nd, we're going to have a rep series notes on Persian lessons, which mm-hmm. it's all going to be pretty much we have this upcoming release from Vadim Perelman, uh, the director of House of Sand and Fog. Oh, nice. And, uh, you know, like, why not sell or pretty much leading up to the release because it's his really it's his return to the big screen after a bit. Like, why not add to the theatrical experience by the week before? having titles like not only House of Sand and Fog on 35 millimeter, but we're also having titles from other like above the line and below the line talent. Um, Like we've got, what is it? We've got uh, Personal Shopper and Clouds of Sils Maria because they both have Lars Edginger, who's who's a lead in the film. And um, I'm trying to think what other exciting or yeah, like pretty much it's, all above the line, below the line talent showcasing uh, the fil- the filmographies of people involved with the film to then compliment with all ease, compliment your future viewing of Persian Lessons, which is out on June 9th. Mm. That's awesome. So, so that's one of them. And actually, oh, and that actually what's really cool is we got Larry Kardish, formerly of MoMA, to program and curate. So actually, we got two very rare prints from the Deepa Film Library at Amherst. Um, they're two German films. I was 19 and, um, oh, what's the other one? The Glywitz case. What was the film library you called it? Uh, DEFA. D-E-F-A. And where is that located? At Amherst. It's at U- or UMass Amherst. Like they have oh, UMass. Them. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's the thing where they, like, these are East German titles <laughs> that, like, you know, very rare, very bizarre, or, like, you know, it's just kind of like, you know... The quad has a reputation for, let's just say, interesting choices. So why not throw in some East German titles? Um, I would, so I would almost one, imagine that it's rare to find a 35 millimeter print of the House of Sand and Fog. Oh, that's yeah. In theory. Yeah, because it came out 2003 and yeah, we were back and forthing on it. Um, I yeah. call really liking that movie, but that's one of those ones that was like, Ooh, ah, oh, it's gonna be so cool. It's by Andre uh, Du Bois the Third. Like, oh, this is gonna be so great. And then like it came out it was well, fine. Got tied and up then... with all the award stuff. Yeah, you know yeah. I'm... Wasn't that the Shoria Dashlu uh, film? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and she, I think what she won New York Film uh, Critics Circle Best Supporting, and then nominated for. Academy Award and then Ben yes. Kingsley was nominated and oh yeah we that let's just say part of my uh I don't know part of trying to get the program together is that I've been bugging her team to see whether she would deign us with even a zoom interview and oh, I don't think that'd that's be so cool out in time yeah that would be amazing and I but there's I, no there is reason that she should do it because she was just in Renfield like Right. And also she was shooting in New York recently, like not saying that I fully was creeping on her Instagram, but, <laughs> but I was fully creeping on her Instagram. And so hmm. there. So, yeah. So who knows? Maybe between now and the screenings, which we've got House of Sand and Fog screening three times, all, you know, beautiful 35 millimeter print. Um, yeah. Maybe between now and then she'll listen to this and agree. I don't know. <laughs> 
That was that was one of those movies that was during my like, ooh, I'm getting into cinema phase. Like, yeah, because it came out when you were like 14. Right. I was about to say yeah. I was like, you know, a freshman or a sophomore in high school. And I was just like, yeah. ooh, this is serious. It's got Ben yeah. Kingsley in it. Jennifer Connelly is crying in the trailer. I exactly. Assume, I can't remember. It's. I feel like this is a movie where she cried a lot. It was heightened emotions. You could just oh, tell. Yeah. Oh, the, it yeah. was so, it was operatic. It was like, oh, this is like such a human story, but the emotions. I mean, like, I recall liking this movie a lot. Same. And I, yeah, no, honestly, I haven't revisited since seeing it. I feel like maybe I watched it like once after the theater, but like, again, not since at least 2004, 2005. Yeah. So well, apparently yeah. Kim Dickens is in this too. Oh, oh I like her. Oh, yeah, oh and speaking of other quad programming, and then we can actually pivot to the, you know, topic at hand. We do have a, uh, we ha- we're doing our pride series for the third year in a row. Um, this year, what we're doing is focusing on quad uh, favorites, past and present. Um, so we're doing a week where titles include um, Nightmare on Elm Street Two: Freddy's Revenge, formerly <laughs> 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 part of our Coming Out Again series. Uh, we are showing Olivia, the 1951 Jacqueline Audrey film. Um, that we had a really popular theatrical run back in like 2019. Um, I'm, uh, Portrait of Jason, we've got on 35. Uh, we got Watermelon Woman. Um, oh, Tom of Finland, which was really popular with oh, us. Oh, yeah. 17. And oh, what's oh, what I'm excited for is um, Seduction the Cruel Woman. Okay. <laughs> with, <laughs> Love the title. <laughs> Um, pretty much it's a sadomasochist classic, uh, with Kido mm. Kier getting whipped. Oh. Uh, wh- <laughs> what year did this come out? 1985. Hmm. <laughs> and it's, yeah, West German. Of course it is. I love how it's all going back to Germany. But yeah, no, so full, yeah, no, because like the central character, I think her name is Wanda and she's a dominatrix. And lures both men and women, and it's all let's just say, uh, whacking the binary, <laughs> whacking the binary. Um, <laughs> anyway, so that's those, and that's going to be uh, June 9th to uh, 15th, and then we also have more programming coming up that should be exciting, <laughs> but that can be for the next episode. So, I um, if, if I was gonna that. say. Oh, Udo, Udo Kier is the guy, but he wasn't the guy who went missing. I'm thinking of Julian Sands. Oh, yeah. Which I'm, I, I'm. Like, is he actually missing or is he like thought disappeared? I, so I'm on, um. I, I Googled Julian Sands because I was like, oh shit, am I mixing up Udo Kier with Julian Sands just because I love them so much? And I, I did. I'm not seeing on like. It doesn't look like anyone's been like, okay, he's dead. Like, I guess they haven't declared that yet because, like, his Wikipedia doesn't have a, a, like, you know, declared dead date. It has a disappeared date. Where was he which, seen last? Uh, Mount Baldy, California. Oh, because I was thinking if he got, like, lost, like, I don't know, if he, like, went down a river. I Like, I have no idea. I'm just. Yeah. That's down a river. <laughs> no, but yeah, like you know, it's like lost in the I don't know, lost in the dangers of nature. I don't know, but it's like, a, yeah, it, it I, looks like yeah. so. In on thirteenth January twenty twenty three, a week after sixty fifth birthday, 
Oh, homie. He he's been missing. gone for five yeah. months. Okay, but it's yeah. Mount Baldy, California. <laughs> it's not the deepest, darkest, you know, Amazon. I'm yeah, sorry. I yeah. Just, no, but, no, I just but read it. The Lost no, City of Z, so my brain is stuck in the Amazon. No, but that's what I was thinking. I was thinking like Amazon. I was thinking, you know, um, yeah. Or like, again, getting lost in the art. Even oh the oh no okay remember how like what was it the beginning of lockdown Jared Leto just like yeah yeah <laughs> that was what? gone for months and and was just like what he was like on a river rafting trip or something right and he just like came back and he's like what's happening now <laughs> yeah so like you know I hope it's be, you know what I hope that for Julian Sands I hope that he's I want just, him to like, come back. Lost. Yeah, it's like I hope he's lost and he's going to be found. One of my one of my first like online movie things ever was starting a Tumblr called Oh shit, it's Julian Sands and it was just <laughs> Why? Because we okay, so I was I was I was drunk and we were we were all drunk, me and my friends who lived together in a house and we were watching a like a bunch of movies and for some reason each of them had Julian Sands in it. And every time he popped up we were like, "Oh shit, it's Julian Sands." And so we said, like, yeah, that's the type of thing. Whenever Julian Sands arrives in a movie, you go, oh, shit, it's Julian Sands. And then, like, I want to say that, uh, like, the girl with the dragon tattoo is, like, just about to come out. And, like, I saw the trailer and I was like, oh, shit, it's Julian Sands. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, the yeah, because the the like, quote unquote, Hollywood one, right? The one Daniel Craig. Yes. The the Hollywood one. Yeah. That's Fincher. The Fincher, that's a much better way to put it. Thank you, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was 2011, so that was definitely around the time that I was drunk a lot and watching movies when I should have been going to sleep so I could go to my office job. Um, but yeah, so yeah, there's a point in that trailer where I think it's like a flashback, and you just see Julian Sands for like a half second. And in the movie theater, I said, oh shit, it's Julian Sands. So we started a Tumblr to document all the movies that Julian Sands is in. You were definitely the only person in that theater who knew that person by name. Yes, 100%, which is another reason we started the the, the Tumblr, so that we could uh, bring more attention to Julian Sands. I feel like we've already established how old we all are, and now you're just bringing up Tumblr nostalgia. Yeah. yeah. I do love that we're all roughly the same age. Yeah, I, I mean, I was 88, was. so. <laughs> yeah, 89. Mm. 87. Bill? Bill? <laughs> Are you 86? What? 86, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Bill, you're old. Oh, my God. We all would have been in high school together. Wow, yeah. Yeah, but there would have been a pecking order. Bill would oh, have been no. like well, the cool senior, and mm-hmm. I would have been, what, the, the junior? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you'd be stressed because SATs. Uh, yes. Robin would have her stuff together. She'd be the stuff together sophomore, and I'd be <laughs> the freshman. No, sophomore slump. Oh, oh! I pictured Robin being like the, oh, I can't, you know, ditch, even though I would love to, but I have like a four-year plan. I need to get into Amherst. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that's exactly what happened. Yeah, no exactly. shit. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <sighs> anyway, we've been talking for 15 minutes and we haven't <laughs> done any of the plugs and stuff. We're very far away from thanks for giving me thanks for giving me airtime. Oh no, that's you know, that's we love it. Anyone who still listens to this podcast after how many episodes in are we? A thousand and three or something. Yeah, probably something like that's that. That's awesome. It's, I didn't realize. No, Robin is being hyperbolic. <laughs> right. Oh, I oh, it was our tenth anniversary. I just I had the wrong like deca thing in my mind. <laughs> no, I recall there being a one. And no, it was I, zero. 
Yeah, but if it's a 10th anniversary, that's a crap load of episodes, Yeah, right? this will be episode 509, apparently. Okay, I was See, that's ballpark. <laughs> like, if, if we were doing, like, numbers and stats for, like, marketing estimates, that you could round to 1K. Exactly! <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> Nearly 1,000 episodes. Yeah, I was only half off, okay? <laughs> yes, clearly. That sounds like some real succession numbers right there. <laughs> yes. Oh, um, yeah. Which we are all... Just, you know, if, if India is, was twice the size. That's the thing. Is it more Roman or Kendall strategy? It's a Matson uh, strategy. Yeah. <laughs> hey, apparently, yeah. Yeah. Well, as long as we're not sending each other blood, it's fine. Not yet. <laughs> no blood, no <laughs> dick pics, no nothing. Wait, okay. Yeah, but, before, who knows but definitely marmalade. I really need to date this episode because tonight is the uh, finale. What are our, what is just your nutshell prediction? Oh, just I like, don't even fucking know. Three words. Yeah. Drag the egg. Drag <laughs> yeah. the egg. <laughs> Dude, uh, no, Tom, Tomlet. I'm go. I'm I'm Team Tomlet. I think <laughs> okay. Tomlet's gonna come out on I Tom. I want Shiv to win it all. Who? I want Shiv. I want Shiv to win it all. I want. I want because no, she's I'm, your twin. I maybe Wait, not what? win it all, but like I I want to believe that she can have it all. Like Liz mm. Lemon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but she can't because she's fucking terrible at subterfuge. Yeah. She's yeah. like, oh yeah, I just got off the phone with them. Uh they like sort of are into it. I don't know. I think maybe we need to and then Kendall does like the clear thing where he's like, okay, well, I'm gonna call him. And she's like, oh no, don't do that. They're like busy. I just, I'm sorry. That that episode I was like, I'm sorry. How was Shiv ever a power player? This is the worst oh, subject. That's, that's what's great about it. Exactly. Yeah, she's fucking awful. And this is the woman who like three seasons ago talked a, a sexual assault victim into shutting up. I don't know. Yeah. It's very weird. She's she's had a fall from Grace. Oh, and totally. Then, but then we had like every episode is like, I'm up, I'm down, I'm up, I'm down. Like for all of them. So like who knows? That's why I think Tom is just gonna quietly come in as like the slightly competent person and win. Really? <laughs> Maybe he will. Maybe, but I'm I'm betting on Greg. But he's royally fucked up. Like, you know, it's like in theory succeed, but like at the same time, his like everything backfired. Like as soon as he's like, you know, three steps forward, somebody like bats him in the legs. Yeah, he's a classic fool, but so is yeah, but Greg. He's, he's never suffered a professional setback. Like every time he's oh, advanced, he is. Okay, well, except that who has the no, no, no. He hasn't yet. But who has the the cruise files? It's Greg <gasps> the Egg. No, he doesn't. Uh, he Greg the Egg gave the cruise files to Kendall, and they were not enough to even get Logan like slightly yeah, looked but, at by the FBI. Yeah, but, but he has. But Tom was telling him yeah. to delete some files. Off of his computer. No, those were the right files when Logan died. Fired when Logan would. Yeah, but it's to... the stuff that incriminates Tom. Yeah. No, I thought that was just the files of who was going to get the axe in like the night of long knives that like Logan was plotting. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't remember anything. Anyway, it's team, very difficult. Team to Roman, except that I think Greg is going to come out on top. I don't know. I like Greg that. Could win. That'd be cool. I, I don't like. Think these it's going to be any kids. Yeah. Maybe yeah. You're right. Maybe. Maybe Jerry is going to take it all. <gasps> I mean, that would be oh great. Yeah, Jerry no, and Tom. Dragons. She just uses the dick pics to leverage to be CEO. Boom. Yes. Dick pics oh aren't God, worth that much. Jerry, Tom, and Greg. <laughs> now that's the new trio. Not your dick pics, Robin. Frank. That's oh. true. I, I have no dick to compare to anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bill. Have another drink. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. All I right. Don't know. So let's talk about this movie. Well, first we gotta <laughs> first we gotta tell people to follow us on Twitter at Film oh, Stage yeah. Show. Uh, email yeah. us podcast at filmstage dot com. Give us a comment or rating. Give us your money at Patreon dot com slash Filmstage Show. And uh, also don't forget that we are brought to you by Mubi. Uh, curated streaming service that is dedicated to elevating great cinema from around the globe. From iconic directors to emerging auteurs, there's always something new to discover. With movie, each and every film is hand-selected, so you can explore the best of cinema streaming anytime, anywhere. Uh, Movie's got a podcast of its own. If you would like to listen to other podcasts, though I don't know why you would, or even given how long these episodes often are, how you would have the time to do that in a given (laughs) week. But Movie's got a podcast. The award-winning movie podcast returns for its third season. Needle on the record, a six-episode mixtape for film lovers. Each episode explores an iconic needle drop that has become part of pop culture. From the 19th century waltz that launched Stanley Kubrick's 2001 A Space Odyssey into orbit to the 80s cover tune that Donnie Darko sent to the top of the UK pops, guests include director Richard Kelly, actor Jenna Malone, music supervisor Randall Poster, and musicians Noel Hogan of the Cranberries, and Paul Douglas of Toots and the Maytals. Listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, yeah, go check that out. And don't forget that you can also get a free 30-day trial of Mubi to stream their awesome films anytime, anywhere. All you got to do is go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Again, that is mubi.com slash filmstage for a whole month of great cinema for free. So check that shit out. Um, that's do it. we all know Mubi Go? Movie Go. <laughs> it's like Movie Pass, but for movie, and it's also curated uh, weekly. And I mentioned this as another quad cinema plug. <laughs> sometimes the curate, the pick of the week is showing at Quad Cinema, and we can fully accommodate that. Awesome. And there are more details you can probably read online that I am blanking on right now. So go to the Quad Cinema webpage that you uh, are responsible for in some ways. Indeed. Awesome. <laughs> Feel free to email about typos. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I'm responsible for the website for the distillery. And every once in a while, someone will be like, I think there was a typo. And I'd be like, what? Like, how many people have looked at this and no one told it, said anything? Right. And also, like, that's something that in terms of, like, general content production, as we all experience, that you need multiple eyes on things. Oh, my God. Absolutely. Just flagging. It's not insulting. We all have tired eyes or, like, you know, again, if you're too close to something too long. Anyways, that's that's my little pet peeve moment. (laughs) As a a person who is a professional writer and editor for, like, government contracting and stuff. Yeah, I didn't. It's like. I'll, someone will send me something and I'll be like, cool, I like did some rewrites and I corrected a few things and this, like, let me know what you think of this. I'm like, oh, I'm so embarrassed. I'm like, uh, don't be literally my job. It's fine. Just, you know, if this is good, we're good. Like, let's just keep moving. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. you got to not it's be not precious like about this shit. Someone yeah, was and like, it's hey. a collab situation. Yeah, someone was like, if I make any changes, do you want to approve them or do you want me to just send it on? I was like, this isn't like poetry. This isn't like the life's work. Like, do whatever the fuck you think the client's going to be happy with. <laughs> anyway, um, speaking about making clients happy, let's talk about Master Gardener. <laughs> this is the new film. <laughs> oh, God. What an angle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is the new film from writer director Paul Schrader, who in the past couple of years has been responsible for... First Reformed and Card Counter, and uh, we're here to talk about Master Gardener, which um, 
I honestly don't know like what's a spoiler or not. I walked in this movie not having yeah. seen a single trailer, so I was taken by Same. surprise with every single goddamn thing that happened. Same. Um, is it great? Hmm? It was a god. It no, but like I haven't done that with a movie in forever of just like going in and honestly having n- like no knowledge of what to expect, and it was yeah. a really fucking great feeling. Oh, it's it's amazing. So anyway, I'm gonna read the IMDb one because uh, it's pretty it's pretty basic. <laughs> uh, a meticulous horticulturalist who is devoted to tending the grounds of a beautiful estate and pandering to his employer, the wealthy dowager. That's weird. That's not even like a full sentence. But also, she's not a dowager. Like, I don't know. I saw saw her get called a dowager in like three different write-ups on this movie. And I was like, I guess so. Like, maybe. I don't know. Words for like, wealthy lady with land. It's so it's apparently I looked it up. Uh, it's like a widow who has like lands and property from her husband who is dead. Yeah, but it wasn't from her husband technically, right? It was from her family. I I <laughs> I I do not recall, Senator. I don't. <laughs> um, Dowager. I think of like Maggie Smith. Yeah, I think of like what's research. a weekend. <laughs> I, I think How of. How did that um, become like? Spicoli. <laughs> I when I hear Dowager, I think of like Anastasia. Cause didn't Oh my like, god. So you're thinking Angela Lansbury. Yeah, like oh the Dowager yeah. Empress is here in Paris. Oh the Dowager. Yeah, she's just the it's like the a widow of an estate. Yeah. 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 It makes sense. She's absolutely I would say Sigourney Weaver, absolute dowager. She's got real situation. dowager energy. She's in her dowager yes. era. Right? Can we see yes. that? <laughs> She's giving Whereas my friend Jacob would say her do-wagger era. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? Her yeah. do-wagger. Oh, wow. uh, well, when we were in high school, I think we were reading something in, in our world history class and our friend pronounced it do-wagger. How would he have known? Beautiful. That's I love that. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Jacob, we love you. Hope you're listening. Um, so that's that's the that's the movie we're talking about. Uh, here is part of the trailer. The Nandina is a species of flowering plant native to Eastern Asia. The smell at certain times of the year gives you a real buzz, like the buzz you get just before pulling the trigger. All right, so that is the opening <laughs> of the trailer for Master Gardener. We're here to talk about it. Uh, we begin, as always, with our mostly spoiler-free overall thoughts before we get into more detailed opinions and uh, concepts. So let's uh, start with our guest. What did you think, Diana, of Master Gardener? I liked it. I didn't love it, but I appreciate it for what it was. I thought the tone was nice, which, considering our... Sigourney Weaver appreciation. I feel like she really set that tone in a way. Um, I'm trying to think of how to be really cagey but engaging right now in terms of discussing. <laughs> just just go with your guts. <laughs> engaging. Oh, dear God. Um, well, in a way, that's what the film is. Yeah. Caging. Because, like, you know, it's, like, with the themes involved, like, you know, the twist that's 20 minutes in, which we're not going to specify. Um, yeah, like, you kind of go in with, like, I don't know, it kind of feels like a short story, like, short story without, 
I don't know. It's not like quaint is such a wrong word for it, but it kind of <laughs> that way. Laura, I think there is a quaintness to this movie, but yeah. in, in not at negative though. Yeah. Like, and it might be just because of it. Like also the, I thought it was going to lean so much more into the horticulture mm. or just like, especially because again, it's like not this, but it's just like in terms of the opening and just again, like with that little bit of the trailer and like, you know, some of the monologue early on. That mm-hmm. is just like you think that there's a bit it's gonna like it's gonna like over obsess on certain things when it doesn't, and it's very thematic, which I think is why I keep thinking of it in terms of like a short story. And mm-hmm. again, why it's a like but not love. I don't know. That's, I like, that's I like that saying it's like a short story because like my favorite movies feel like short stories. Just I feel yeah. like I love a novel, right? I've, I'm on a reading kick recently, um, which will come up later on when we talk about this movie in more depth, because I actually read a novel that is very similar in certain aspects to this movie, which was weird. Um, but yeah, I love a short story because usually it's a lot tighter. A lot of things are a little more like openly symbolic and everything kind of ties yes. in a little better. And you're able to have like ambiguity just kind of like lay there in the open a bit. Yeah. If that means, yeah. All right, so that's what you thought. Let's uh, move on to Bill Graham. What did you think of Master Gardener? Um, I went into this completely blind. I've I've gone into a lot of movies completely blind lately. Um, I prefer that more than anything. Um, I mean, it depends on what size of movie. The bigger the movie, usually the more I will try and watch a trailer um, because I don't really care to be that surprised by those but usually the smaller films i'm like i don't need to know what it's about because i'm going to watch it and Mm -hmm. so at a certain point i'm just like eh, that's half the fun is watching and not knowing um and so i went into this completely blind i i hardly even knew who was in it i just knew joel edgerton was in it and then my mom told me today that sigourney weaver was in it before we sat down and watched it and i was just like oh oh <laughs> it would okay. be funny if you cool. watched it like a week ago and then your mom told you today sigourney Weaver. that's what i thought was the reveal who who is that or did you recognize sigourney you know sigourney oh, the, the girl from galaxy quest cool yeah awesome. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> sigourney wow. Weaver and sierra miller two actresses bill will never recognize sierra sienna miller oh i i just have face just... blindness for her that is that is sienna miller that's not you bill right no she yeah. just I think, has yeah. one of those faces that's one of her i would say uh, not to like suddenly pivot to talking about sienna miller but I'd say that's one of her um, her best qualities as an actress is she really does disappear. Like, you know, it's not like there's Scarlett Johansson playing something. Yeah. Like she's yeah. created a character. She's that so you. bland that she just melts into the scenery. Oh, my God. That's what you're saying, Bill. Yeah. Uh, that's Yes, that's 100% what Bill is saying, not me. I just um, said Bill. Yeah, I know. I, just, I wanted to make very sure that I was not being accused of that. I didn't misspeak at all. <laughs> <laughs> With all the right. two B names. <laughs> Anyways, um, so, yeah, I didn't really know what to expect except for, you know, the fact that this is a Paul Schrader film. Um, I was struck by the fact that this is the third film in a row where a character is like opening uh, opening shot is them writing in like a dimly lit study 
on a piece of paper, like their their notations. I don't know if this is a constant theme of uh, Schrader's oh my God, previous works. Yeah, yeah, okay. it is. Travis Bickle. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I was thinking Bickle, and then I was thinking of uh. Uh well I mean yeah his last three movies right yeah. so that would be Hawk and that would be uh Oscar Isaac so I, I was well, just I like oh didn't happen in Blue Collar <laughs> um but yeah so I was like oh okay I guess this is definitely a theme that uh he likes having in throughout his movies um what what do I say about this fucking movie I don't know. <laughs> It was it was like it was simultaneously three hours long and also way too short. It it felt like it was cut in half almost. I'm waiting for part two. Is that coming out tomorrow? When when does that come out? When does the next episode drop? (laughs) Yeah, when does the next episode drop? Like I'm just curious. When's the finale so I can plan ahead? Um yeah, I I just I feel like there is so much going on here that is kind of unexplored. That's that's unfortunate because there are some interesting strands and strings that he's kind of pulling on. But ultimately, I was kind of left uh, feeling flat footed a bit. Um, I was just not really sure what to make of it. Um, Did I enjoy it? Yes, I enjoyed most of it, bits and pieces of it. Uh, I enjoyed the fact that like this guy seems to be, you know, obviously leaving some past behind. And what better way than just tending a huge ass garden, I guess. Um, Yeah, it it was it was interesting, but it wasn't something that I necessarily enjoyed. Um, So I have more complicated feelings about it than I I wish I did. Um, That being said, I fucking love the card counter. I love First Reformed. I thought both of those were fantastic and fully formed. And this one just felt like like it was just kind of half there. Like I said, I'm I'm waiting for the sequel. So yeah. All right. Robin Barr. Uh, it's funny because I feel like I had an inverse experience from Bill. I so virulently hated the card counter that this movie felt like a bomb in comparison to that. Um <laughs> And it's quite possible that that the filmmaking in the card counter is technically a better in some ways. It I feel like this was made for what felt like half the budget of that other movie. Uh, it, it definitely looked like it was probably made for like two dollars. At the same time, <laughs> it looked like it was made for two dollars. <laughs> it did. It, there were what some would those, what would those two dollars have been spent on? That's the not fucking flowers. It's yeah. not enough to pay an actor. It's not enough to rent a camera. Like where? It's for porch dog. That's what yeah. it, they paid some homeowner to be <laughs> to shoot over fifteen days. Like that's what it felt like. At the same time, uh, I, I was because I liked it more than the card counter. I find myself thinking like, oh yeah, that, that was okay. When actually I'm just neutral on it. I didn't like it. <laughs> didn't hate it. It existed. Mm-hmm. There was there were certain elements that I, I enjoyed. I really liked Sigourney Weaver in this, um, playing this bizarre, racist, dowager, grand dame lady. First just, of all, do we think there are any non-racist dowagers? Like, 
you don't become a dowager yeah. no, no. you have enlightened i understand you that maintain, you don't maintain the dowager status by <laughs> but there are there i guess there's racism like in the way that it sort of infects one and then there's the calling your niece a mixed blood like yeah no that was just, like a whole crazy. thing because like that was the grand niece grand niece excuse grand niece yeah the grand tom and her grand niece anyway <laughs> so there so that sort of tipped me off as like what the fuck's going on here yeah um, so i actually just watched a, a mini series that's coming out in amazon australia called the lost flowers of alice hart and it stars sigourney <laughs> weaver as a flower farmer who brings what? her long lost granddaughter to her flower farm and it was just like a weirdly parallel experience or i'm like wait a minute didn't i just watch this (laughs) do you think she knew she was in two different like she signed on for i know the same thing (laughs) she had so much fun she had so much fun making this one she's like i just wish that i could have worked more with the flowers yeah and then she turns to her agent and says get me anything where i'm the person who does the flowers (laughs) and he's like look this is crazy coincidence. Guess what just came across my desk? Exactly. <laughs> so there were there's just very interesting parallels to these stories. And I, I really liked the uh, Alice Hart, you know, miniseries because it's, let's say it's much more of my speed, you know, based on a harrowing novel kind of thing. And it deals with abuse and stuff like that. So she plays almost like this two sides of the same coin or like, the, like a Janus figure because in the they're both assholes, these two characters that she plays. But in Master Gardener, she's like, I don't know, uh, much more just like a, a societal evil in yeah. a way. And in the other one, she's just like a really manipulative, like psychological abuser. So it's it's just so interesting to see the how she's playing these two characters off of one another, even though I'm probably like the only person on the planet who's seen both this <laughs> series and this movie. Yeah. Um, so, so she really struck me and I, I liked her a lot in Master Gardener. I feel like Edgerton is, you know, he's there, he exists. Yeah. Um, Swindell, you know, she's playing, uh, or uh, I think that they are, they and he are their pronouns. Um, I think they are playing just, like they're absolutely doing their best for a character that makes no sense whatsoever. Um, And everyone kept saying like, Oh, there's such a twist in this movie. There's a twist. And like, I don't even really know what the twist could be defined as. And we can talk about this in spoilers. Maybe it's just so obvious that I didn't even think of it as a twist or something, but I would really like to discuss what, what we all think of as like the turning point. Cause there are a few here. Um, yeah, it's just like a, it, basically a movie that was so comparatively not shitty because of how I feel about Traitor that it almost feels like a movie I liked, but I know that that is like not actually how it works. That is correct. Yeah. That's not usually how that works. <laughs> but I'm like, oh, like I just didn't hate it to my core the way I hated his last film and thus mm. it just felt like a better movie even though i really don't think it is a better movie interesting yeah. uh i really like this movie of I... course you did <laughs> <laughs> um yeah no i loved it it was great i i enjoyed every second of it i really liked it um 
it was funny explaining to a friend of mine that I liked it. <laughs> but I can't I can't really get into the conversation I had with this girl until we get into spoilers because it was very it was like it became clear like how much I didn't even understand how messed up this movie was until I started explaining it to someone else. Um, yeah. But I liked it. I, I I enjoyed Joel Edgerton a lot uh, in everything I see him in, and I thought this movie was a very good showcase of uh, his work in like a kind of traditional, you know. I would like, you know, repressed masculine <laughs> role. I was about to ask, like, as a follow up of like, what do you see as a Joel Edgerton role and what qualities he brings? So like, he seems blank. He's he, yeah, I could have thrown in almost anybody in that. You know, no, what? like, this I, is, this you know, I don't totally... feel like he made it special. Like, I'm just agreeing. But yeah, no, because like he's got what. what's interesting about Joel Edgerton to me is that he can within an instant to my eyes vacillate between wounded vulnerability and like steely menace, but like not like I am a bad person menace, but just I am capable of bad things menace. Like it's almost a menace that he's not even aware that he's doing. I think about him in the movie. Was it the gift? It was the movie that uh, he was in with um, fucking uh, uh, (laughs) um, I can't remember his name now. The guy from Arrested Development. No, oh, Jason Bateman. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is the gift, right? And it was the, like... Oh, yes. Yes, 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 yes. yes. He, he, like, wrote and directed it. It was so... It was... I loved that movie. That movie was awesome because he's, again, able to modulate. And so you can't tell, like, is this just, like, kind of a goofy, like, weird dude who... Like, isn't threatening, or is he, like, the most threatening person on Earth? Like, is he lying because he's kind of, like... Like it's just there's it's very hard to read him in these ways, and he was great in Midnight Special. Um, so what you're saying is like a like an uncanny emotional valley for him that he hits well. He, he, is that he's, the way to phrase it? <laughs> no, it's almost like yeah. I'm thinking of like the Green Knight too. Like there's just something about him where he's almost in. He's in that. Yeah, he's like the guy who is the the husband of like other uh, Alicia Vikander, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. God, he has just maybe he's the real chameleon here because I'm sure I've seen him in so many things, but he just sort of blends like yeah, a right. like a Sienna Miller. Yeah, he's the male <laughs> Sienna Miller. So he was first of all loved Men Warrior. I think that's the first time yes. where I was like, this fucking guy rules. Like, and again, that really plays to both of his strengths because he he is very believable as like a milk toast science teacher you know father like struggling but then when he gets in that ring and starts beating the shit out of people like you feel that too and that makes a lot of sense when he's in the great gatsby as tom buchanan but that's like the worst casting i think him as tom buchanan i oh really i found his he was like definite like you know uber capitalist machismo like yeah but uh, i don't know all right. Well, clearly we have different opinions on him. Um, or no, 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 no. But like in terms of just how I view Tom Buchanan and like, I don't know, just old money and like all that stuff. It's just that it's just like the vibe when it's like him and Gatsby having the uh, having, you know, their little showdowns at each other. That was just kind of like, I don't know. It just didn't feel yeah, right. But Gatsby's almost like more of like a feminine masculinity, whatever that thing I just said means. And then he's more of like yeah. an old school, like. I've got a mustache and I box with my hands like this. No one can see what I'm doing. I guess that's it, though. I just didn't picture Tom. I pictured Tom, like, as a polo guy, but not as, like, a boxing guy. 
Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. Yeah. In in the movie, so it you works. Think I think Edgerton is too gritty to play Tom. Yeah. Okay. If that makes sense. I don't yeah. know. I haven't read Gatsby in a long time, <laughs> and yeah, I, I haven't know. watched Gatsby in a while. <laughs> but I just were like, you know, not to completely pivot into that film. But I like walking in. That was a movie where I um, I gave myself a very low bar of just like all I want is the green light and Leonardo DiCaprio to look tortured, and that was it. And I mean, it hit both. You got notes, a lot of that. So I was happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Versus again with Master Gardener, I went in completely blank. So yeah. Mm. Yeah, and in this movie, I mean, it, it, it's you know, it's it's he's <gasps> he was in Kinky Boots. Yeah, no. Wait, As I'm the boring guy. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah right. like he's, his his MO. he's the shoe guy, right? Who yeah, like discovers like, oh, I could make like reinforced heels for these guys. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I literally pulled up the IMDb as we were talking. So again, you've seen a million movies with Edgerton, but we can't really remember that many. I mean, I remember them. No, you oh, sounds like a you like guys a weird, problem. Maybe we're the true fan. And you're the abnormal one because you see too much in him. Maybe his whole thing is he needs to blend in. That's yeah. possible. Yeah, maybe. But I mean, in this movie, like, you know, that that chameleon-like thing helps him to play, like, the two sides of this character and to make them both believable. And that makes the reveal of his past all the more shocking because at first he seems like this kind of fussy you know, all put together, very like proper guy. And then you see how yeah. he used to be and you're like, oh shit, Jesus Christ, dude. Um, so yeah, I really like that. And then Sigourney Weaver was like playing to the, the cheap seats and I fucking loved it. Uh, <laughs> Quintessa Swindell, great performer, excellent presence. Uh, always fun to see Isai Morales and stuff. Fucking love that guy. Yeah, I don't know. I liked it. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I, I like my symbolism explicit i like my <laughs> yes because you're such a like, literary boy yeah i fucking love it well, man. like what do you think of his care of uh joel edgerton's character name which is narvel roth <laughs> what a fucking name it's, a, it's that, well, that, that's not orville is that his actual name where uh, i can't remember is that his name in the or like is that his given name or is that his pseudonym that is his pseudonym that is not his christian name right. okay yeah he, he someone fucked him on that on that right. <laughs> that's that, what it feels like is it feels like the kind of so there's apparently narvel is a name i just looked i just googled well, the of word course narvel. i mean anything anything could be a name dot is a name like it, it doesn't it doesn't <laughs> fucking matter at this Reba point mcintyre's wow. ex-husband is named narvel blackstock so yeah you just yeah. what a fucking name Oh, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Like Narvel. Oh, and there's Narvel Feltz, who's a country music and rockabilly singer. Yep, as he must be with a name like and Narvel. a former member of North Carolina House of Representatives, Narvel J. Crawford. Sorry to all our dot listeners, by the way. Sorry, Dottie. Um, what was <laughs> I gonna say? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I mean, like it's an insane name, but like you know, it's it is it is almost like a literary name. Like it's like okay, like. Not going to have a guy named, I almost said Tom Ford, and I was like, wait, no, that's a fashion designer. Then I was going to say Tom Wolf, and I'm like, no, that's a... No, that's a, yeah. That's another person. Okay. I just keep coming up with boring names that actually belong to Tom people. Tom Wamscams? Yes, Tom Wamscams. <laughs> Wamscams. Wamscams. 
What a great name. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. So I, I like this movie. I'm looking forward to talking about it. Good times. Uh, all that stuff. Yeah, I dug it. It's it's difficult to talk about without getting into like everything that happened. But like I said, I like I like my symbolism. Uh, obvious. I I like it when a movie isn't trying to be clever. When it's like, yes, even the characters are fully aware of what they're saying. And I like, you know, like like uh, Robin said, uh, kind of <laughs> derogatorily. I'm a literary nerd. I mm-hmm. like this stuff. I said you're a literary boy, but I guess you're more of a literary bitch. Wow. Harsh. Yeah. But yeah, sure. Well, okay. Like I said, I've been on a reading kick recently, so I love that stuff. I'm reading um, I'm reading a novel by Victor Lavelle right now, The Changeling. It's incredible. Um, <laughs> Any relation to um, the movie? Yeah, no, movies. It's, it's, I guess it's not about the Angelina Jolie movie, which is based on the real the chicken coop murders or whatever. Yeah, I am hoping that it has to do with fairies, though. I've still got like a real hankering to get like some fairy changeling stuff. So, did you ever watch True Blood? Yes. So did so you must have loved like the last season. Actually, no, I didn't see the last season. True Blood oh, for me was. Um, me and my friends would watch it with the hot girls that we knew who liked it. And we would play a drinking game together called blood tits and fangs. And Oh, what is, yeah. Explain. Did you die by the end of it? <laughs> you, okay. So the, like with all of our drinking games, there's the expert level, which is, you know, are you taking a, a shot or are you taking a sip of beer? Right. And also, are you counting the opening credits? Because Ooh, the opening oh, credits blood alone are enough to destroy most people if you're still playing. So depending <laughs> on what kind of day you had. And what type of drink. Yeah. So like I was one of the people where I was like, I think I could like the first time I was inaugurated into this, I was like, all I've got is this bottle of whiskey. So I'm just oh, going to no. sip it anytime this happens. And like halfway into the episode, I was like, fuck you guys. I hate you. <laughs> this is, can someone please give me a beer? And they're like, no, absolutely not. But anyway, yeah. so yeah, I only watched like, I watched the first season, right? With the the killer guy who's out there. Yeah. Um, and then I watched the second season with the main ad. Um, right. And then I maybe watched part of the third season and then well, just trailed off. I, the big twist of like, again, it's like the whole like, fa- like, um, Oh, what's her? Uh, Sookie. Sookie, Sookie Stackhouse. How could you forget uh, that? Yeah. Name? Sookie Stackhouse. Sookie. Uh, yeah. Sookie. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's that whole thing where it turned like the reason why she's so special and like all the vampires like covet her so much. Cause she's a fairy, like, right? Oh. Yeah, exactly. Which still, when you say that, it still feels like you're saying a slur against someone. No, I, exactly. Well, that's what like so much of that. Like, wear panthers. <laughs> I re- okay. I do. Re- so Sam was like a shapeshifter, right? But <laughs> but then there were the werewolves that show up, and they and he's like, I'm a shapeshifter. Werewolves suck. There's whatever. Yeah. I can't even remember. They were like biker guys. But the brother is a wear pan or gets involved with wear panthers. Man, Jason got, got involved with everything. Jason for a while became like a human supremacist soldier of Christ. <gasps> right. <laughs> it's funny. All of this kind of ties together because again, uh true blood, Louisiana. Yeah. Is that where this is set? <laughs> I think so, isn't it? Suppo- or like they never explicitly. It's definitely set in the south, it feels, right? Like that's it definitely feels in plantation. Very, yeah, because yeah, like they shot it on a plantation, in Louisiana, 
Um, or at least what I looked at on it's Wiki. It's got the live <laughs> oaks with the Spanish moss. It it feels very, you know. Like, do you th- like, I guess part of it is like, do you think that they were trying to make it not as explicit that it was Louisiana or like, because like the accents aren't there, you know? Correct. Yeah, I think they were going for a little like, maybe not every town USA, but they weren't trying to tie it specifically to one because yeah. I think they, the story wants to be a little universal, which is why I think that even though it's about some things, it's not like only about those things. Right. Which is another thing I like about it. Like it would be very easy for this to become like a very didactic movie, but it's it is specific enough while leaving enough ambiguity that you could apply its its morals to almost anything. Which may you know your mileage may vary in terms of like how you feel about that. Um, speaking of which, do we want to jump into the spoilers? Yeah, yeah, I think you can't talk about the movie without talking about it. Yeah. Yes. Well, like so... speaking of, or speaking of the incredible, or, or wait, do you have to like officially say this is the starting point for spoilers, the oh, spoilers, yeah, spoilers. spoilers? Oh my god, the spoilers are coming! Ah. <laughs> oh dear God! <laughs> there you go. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um. No. So, like, just speaking on, like, you know, the vague, the ambiguity, the this, that, and the other. What do you think of drugs? No oh boy. I mean, I love drugs. <laughs> no, but like that was a bit. So I saw it with two friends of mine. Um, like one's a film form person, the other's an anthology film archive person. And like, um, anyway, so we were having you know a meeting of three of the five families, so to speak, in terms of like art houses. But with watching this film, but the thing is, like, that was one of our discussion points. Was just kind of like, what are the drugs? Like, are they pills? Are they something else? And then also, like, so, like, the vague terminology in terms of just, like, the drugs, but then also how Schrader doesn't seem to let his characters understand what the internet is. Mm. So you just mean like, the web. Yeah. Where you can get juicy pictures. Yeah, it's like, I bet you have juicy pictures on the web. Ah. It's just, like, I don't know. Sometimes, I, I know Schrader is supposed to be this, like, genius wordsmith, and all I can feel is, like, this is going to be ageist, but an 80 year old man who's atrophied in the seventies. Yes. But also, I wonder like, is it intentionally clunky though too? You know what? Like that's I the think thing. It is. You're, yeah. you're giving a lot of flexibility here. A man whose name is Narville Roth and who is in witness protection because he was a violent white supremacist soldier of the Aryan nation. I mean, yeah, yeah I feel like he would probably say shit like that. Cause he has no idea how to speak to human beings. That's a good point. But it was Sigourney who said that. Yeah, well, Sigourney's worse. I mean, <laughs> she's a dowager who calls her her own flesh and blood mixed blood. Oh, God. Yeah. No, but, like, <laughs> but like, I think actually that's a really strong point, though, is that both of these characters, like speaking of Sigourney and Joel, it's the thing of that they're both so disconnected from reality in their yeah. own or you know it is that whole level of again it's like before the witness protection program being full-on white supremacist within a family that i'm assuming that they didn't actually have you know real information in contact with the outside world in a healthy and natural manner um and then um you know then you've got sigourney the dowager who's in her gilded cage that is whites only 
I yeah. like how we've just agreed that she's a dowager. At first we were like, is she a dowager? And now we're like, yeah, it's fun to call her it. Yeah, so, yeah. she is the dowager. <laughs> I think it's it though. It's like we're embracing it because it's just so much fun to call her that, as you're saying. It's like, you know, <laughs> dowager. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, no, I, 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 yeah, it felt, it felt real to me, you know, that they, that these people, would, and it, like, and the way that they speak and them speaking that way becomes like a, a lean in moment, mm. you know, and maybe that's just like, you know, clunky writing working in the film's favor, or maybe it's, you know, the film actually, you know, being smart about what the type of thing that's going to make us want to know more is. Well, speaking of these two and that now we're in spoiler land, what do you guys think of them being an item? Uh, that? Like Sigourney uh, and Joel? Uh, yeah, Sigourney and Joel. And like, because I was reading, what was it? I think it was an interview with Schrader in Filmmaker Magazine. Um, I think Eric Lawrence did it. It was the whole thing where, what was it? Nargle it was something about they Nargle. added a scene to, it, like, a re- like, in terms of the big reveal with... Um, I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase this for listeners, but I also want to plow ahead. Um, like the big <laughs> reveal of his tattoos that reveal himself to be the white. Oh, no, we're, we're fully in spoilers by now. So no, no, no. But I was thinking of like, in terms of if somebody's listening, uh, whatever. Anyway. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Oh. <laughs> we learned that he is a white supremacist because at some point we see the many, many very explicit tattoos. Right. So what's really interesting is apparently with an earlier cut, it was the thing where it's revealed like when they go to what was it when what did she say to him take me to bed sweet pea yeah mm-hmm. yeah when when he takes her to bed that's when it's the reveal versus gotcha yeah versus i think it was a genius move in terms of having the you know the tattoo reveal before we find out about them being an item or yeah. a back item or whatever um, because then all the time when she's just like, I want to see your body and like, da, 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 that you're just kind of, it adds that whole other layer to it. Right. Well, I mean, so there's a lot there in terms of like, clearly he's, he was a former white supremacist and he's got all these tattoos and she, she likes it Yeah, because she's uh, a closeted white supremacist. <laughs> and so he's like a fetish object for her and he's keeping them. I assume because he feels I think it's I like the way I read it is like he feels like he doesn't deserve to remove them like the the stain should remain upon him. Yeah. And so yeah. and and so she is like, you know, doing this she's she's obviously giving him a job and allowing him to live and he's got a pretty okay-ish life. Um but that's like another lo- layer of punishment. Like it's another thing and she's yeah. kind of using him for it. And and what I liked about this movie is that uh Maya, on the other hand, is like, uh, you're gonna get those fucking things removed. Yes. But also, oh. yeah, no, it's like you're gonna get those fucking things removed, but then we never see, or you know, do we think that they got removed by the end? I don't know if by I, the end, because it was probably like I mean, two weeks later, but like I think yeah, that he's gonna point. do it. <laughs> I don't think you get those. Ring. I don't think you get those removed. I think you just block tattoo up. over them. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean yeah. that's like he's, a removal or something. But but I remember someone, I think, I think she was asking, why haven't you got them removed? And I was kind of thinking, well, you can get cheap tattoos. Like someone can just fucking puncture you with, with ink. 
it is not cheap to get tattoos removed and it's painful and it takes a lot of time. So I'm sure he's probably like, well, I didn't pay a lot of money for these. So, oh, no. so like, you know, I, I read a book recently called in the light of you, um, mm-hmm. which I, I had never heard of before. I, I did that thing. I went to a bookstore for the first time in like three years and, um, which congratulations. That was a Barnes yeah. and Noble. I mean, like, you know, it's, oh. it's okay, I know. Okay. Right. But like, what else exists anymore? Anyway, I'm sorry. I I live- oh my, no, because like, no, but like quick thing with Barnes and Nobles is, um, it's the thing where, yeah, no, it's like, I miss them deeply and it's so sad because remember how they were supposed to be like the big bad giant. And oh then yeah. Now, mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, now sorry. Like but the scrappy upstart. It's I don't know. Like- I feel like I just live in the land of the indie bookstore. Like it doesn't even occur oh. to me. Right. I'm sorry. Well, you live in, in the New Boston City, area. Like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> where where live, your library well, sorry, has tea service. I, well, <laughs> that's I live, true. <laughs> that's the crazy fucking thing is I live next to a major state college, and we like the nearest bookstore to us. When I go, okay, this is a true story. So yesterday, I'm about to finish a novel I'm reading. I'm about to finish The Lost City of Z. And I've got like a pile of books that I need to read. But I was like, you know, it'd be cool to like go and meander amongst the stacks and find a book I want to read. I wonder what the nearest bookstore to me is. So I Googled it. And it sent me to like, so on Google Maps, when I write bookstores near me, the one that is closest to me is a pornography shop. Ah. Excellent. It it's like a it, and it's not just pornography, it's like sex on? toys and like lingerie and stuff, and um, and it was like yeah, this is a bookstore. I'm like I'm positive they have books, but I feel like you know that's not what I meant. <laughs> it's Google. a place of fine literature. Yeah. So anyway, so I was at the Barnes and Noble and I found this book and it was called In the Light of You. And on the back, I read the back and it was like, you know, hey, it's like this is a teenager and he joins like a white supremacist group and like you know because he's a listless like whatever and i was like oh that sounds good and it's like it was it was interesting at first and then like the story (laughs) kicked into gear and it's it it slowly uh went downhill and i actually kind of hated how it ended and um i really disliked it so sorry anyone who's read that um and liked it you're good we don't agree um but yeah like what's what's interesting about that uh that novel is that there was a lot of insights into the way that like at least in you know the 90s when the book took place um you had like these like white supremacist bars and like you know the the barn shows and like you know the rock bands and everything and there would be a guy who is like a tattoo artist who would just like show up and for cash would give you like a cheapest shit like nazi tattoo um and yeah so like that kind of thing exists so what you're saying bill about like you know, it doesn't take a lot to get a tattoo. Like you can get a tattoo in prison, but like to laser it off is kind of a lot. But I also yeah. think that Narville at that point, because it, like he's lost his family to this like, you know, <laughs> problem, this this sick ideology that he had now that it's all come out. Um, yeah, he probably doesn't feel like he deserves to have it removed. Like it's almost like at the end of uh, almost like at the end of Inglorious Bastards when they carved the uh, swastika into Christoph Waltz's head because they don't want him to be able to like you know hide his past. Mm. You know, sure. Joel Joel Edgerton has created a thing that will keep him away from people because he knows that if he like ever again symbolism if he ever truly becomes vulnerable and takes off his clothes they will be repelled by him. 
Now that's yeah, the, it, that's the drinking game of this episode, by the way, is symbolism. Symbolism. I love the symbolism. <laughs> I uh, like when he talks about every, like, every yeah flowers. Well, I was about to, there is the point where he was he in, in his again in his writing he says like you know oh we thought that 150 years was the lifespan of a seed but then we found mm-hmm. seeds that were like frozen in the permafrost for like thousands of years and some were cultivated and came to fruition and I was like oh yes the symbolism. <laughs> Even in the flintiest and darkest of hearts lay the seeds of possibly love and redemption. Okay, well, I just watched an Australian miniseries about an abused little girl who lives on a fucking flower farm. Like Symbolism. I'm just saying, it's all symbolism. Like, How many times can you compare a vulnerable young girl to a wilting flower? There's uh, th- there's certain things in this world that like can never be talked about where it doesn't feel like symbolism. And I feel like plants are one of them. Like I was explained to my daughter mm-hmm. cuz we're growing some I'm growing some hot pepper plants and I was nice. explaining to her all the things you need to do in order to like, you know, keep them alive. And it, literally everything I said felt like symbolism. It was it was insane. I was like, oh, this leaf is damaged. We need to, like, you know, remove it so that it's not wasting energy on this thing that won't actually help it grow. Symbolism. Mm. You know, oh, the 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 uh, the the soil's getting a little dry. Do we need to water? I'm like, no, you don't want to water it until it actually needs it because if you keep it too watered, then it's going to suffocate because you're actually giving it too much of what you think it needs. Symbolism. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. And does your six year old daughter see what you see in that? Oh, probably not. No, but my hope okay. is that when she is older, she will have a flashback to that moment and it will be heavily <laughs> symbolic. Yes. Yeah, that's what I need. I need I what I really want, what I really want is for her to think back to the time when the cicadas came. Right? <laughs> and and there were like a thousand million of these fucking giant bugs everywhere and she was trying to help all of them get out of the street. Because she and I and I had to talk to her and be like, look, we can't save all of them. And some of them are already beyond saving. But we will keep looking and we will look for the ones that are healthy. And we will look for the ones that we can get to the grass and that we will save. But you can't, you know, waste all your energy trying to save all of them because then you'll miss the ones that can be saved. And like every time we went on a walk while the cicadas were out, it felt like a scene from the road. Mm. Because it's just like death on such a massive scale that it was very difficult to ignore. Can we get through one episode without referencing the road? No, absolutely no. not. That's, you know, now that is a landmark, cla- you know, classic of dystopian cinema right there. Damn right. Boom. But we're also yeah. the right age for it. Like that came out, what, when we were in college? Uh, yeah, I, like, yeah, I think so. 2009, 2010. Yeah, it was. I can't remember like when it came out because it kept getting. I remember more about the book than the film. I mean, the book was book release. Oh, look at you, Robin. Well, no, I didn't read the dang thing. I'm also like, (laughs) I love how I because I make fun of Ryan, I suddenly become the non-reader. I read goddamn books. It's just like I don't make them my whole personality. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Sure you do. (laughs) So like, but what's interesting about this movie and the fact that like, you know, we're talking about like symbolism. Oh, what does it mean? Mm -hmm. Um, The movie is this guy who used to be a white supremacist and is now in witness protection. Um, He falls in love with this girl who, uh, according to her great aunt, is 
of mixed blood, which is something. Just, uh, she's, uh, the character is biracial. Yes, deeply uncomfortable saying that phrase. Um, but it definitely set the exact tone for when we need to like, or like in terms of setting that character, snapped you right into it. Well, right. it's like I, I just couldn't tell if Schrader was creating a character for Sigourney with these words, or if he was just like, "This is how all people speak." <laughs> <laughs> Jesus but also Christ, that, that role specifically was written for Glenn Close. Wow, really? Yeah, because they're uh Glenn Close and Schrader are friends, and apparently he wrote it for her. Of course I they don't are. Know why she didn't do it. But yeah, the whole thing was written for Glenn Close, and that's then, that didn't happen. But um now, like Glenn Close would have like, I think this is gonna sound corny, but it's like she would have chewed the scenery versus Sigourney, like yeah. You know, does the whole uh, she savors the morsels? Yeah. Well, yeah, apparently Zendaya was supposed to be in the female role too. Oh really? Oh wow. Oh yeah. Wasn't it, didn't she get like priced out? Like she like she was in negotiations, but then it was the whole thing where she just wanted too much money or something. I or, I mean, I, I I might I might just be you know sparking some gossip. You might just be slandering Zendaya. Oh God! And then all these Gen Zs oh, are considering. This movie was made for two dollars, so she if she's asking for anything more than twenty five cents, I don't think they could have afforded it. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point. That you know, Robin, you've hit it. <laughs> yeah, I think honestly, Zendaya is like beyond this. Yeah, now. I think she would have like stood out too much. Yeah, hmm. but anyway, uh, so what I was gonna say is like this: this like it's it would be very easy for the the story <laughs> the story. <laughs> of um a former white supremacist who's in witness protection who's like you know life is he like has no life anymore who falls in love with a biracial girl to feel like quaint in a way that's like not good it's like um, woody allen irony right, like, and, and, what, right now. and one of the things that i greatly disliked about in the light of you not to keep bashing this book um that you're the only one who's read it. Right. Yeah, so I can say whatever it. the fuck I want. <laughs> so first of all, it's a book that's written as a book. So like, you know, it's like the 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 first person <laughs> author, the first person author and voice of the book is writing the book knowing it's a book, which I don't uh, know why, but I hate it when that happens. I hate a book that's aware of the fact that it's a, it's a book and is acting like <laughs> it's a different book. I don't like that. I'm perfectly <laughs> fine with you having a first person narrator. But don't try to explain why I'm reading his thoughts in the first person. Anyway. Oh, so it like turns into his diary or something? No, it's like he's, it's like he's, and, but then the, the most annoying thing is at the end of the book, he becomes a creative writer and it's like, that's why I'm writing this book. Anyway. So oh my God. he's like, so like when Jane Eyre addresses the reader. Exactly. Like, yeah. wow. Wow. That's a take. He's like, oh, I'm writing this book. And like, he'll talk about someone and then he'll be like, you know, hey, Jimmy, if you're reading this, I'm sorry or whatever. But so the the book. I don't like Fleabag. Sorry, I'm <laughs> I actually haven't seen Fleabag yet. You need to see Fleabag. I know everyone tells me that, and I'm sure that I do. And yeah. you know, but anyway, so so the book is he's this kid. He he's you know white, but he's raised in like the black section of town. And at some point, he gets like adopted by a bunch of white supremacists, basically. And one of them is like, you know, he's like 17 or something. And like the leader of this group is like a 20 something 
who's like sort of Richard Spencer-y, you know, um, uh, like, oh, really put oh, together, did, did very charismatic. Punched in the face, or am I thinking of a different? He definitely yeah. got punched in the face. Yes. Um, yeah, like on camera. And then, time. and then this this Richard Spencer-y kind of guy, whose name is actually Richard. Um, that's interesting. Um, so, but so he, yes, what a dick. So he <laughs> ends up like hooking up with this girl who becomes his girlfriend and this girlfriend goes uh, to a college that's nearby. Um, but then she ends up being in love with this, you know, white supremacist guy, but then also somehow falls in love with this like black woman who is also a student and is like a, an activist for peace or whatever. And this fucking character is like the most nonsensical like magical like everything's like cool and groovy all the time and everyone's just like so friggin' in love with her and the there's a point in the book where like these two girls like finally hook up and like the 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 black girl sees the white girl's like literal swastika tattoo and the white girl is like I'm gonna have it removed, and the black girl's like, "No, you don't have to do that." Like, don't blah blah blah. And I'm like, "What? That's fucking stupid as shit." Also, I hate the fact that this novel, that for a while was a very seemingly insightful look at how people become radicalized almost out of inertia and like literally nothing else going on, and don't even believe what they're saying, but like kind of get gaslit into it because they just need to fit in with a group, has now turned into like, and the thing that will destroy them is a interracial lesbian relationship and i was just like i fucking hate this this is very poorly done is it ya no i don't think so i don't know maybe no i don't think it was it wasn't in the ya section but like who even knows it was like but i was reading it and like as soon as i realized what was going on i like hated it and then like 40 pages later it was over and i was just like thank god and it's annoyed the shit out of me so i'm actually slightly glad i'm allowed to talk about it now um, because I can exercise all these feelings that I have not been able to scream out at anyone else. But like this, like, so when in this movie, when this girl finds out that he like used to be a crazy ass white supremacist whose body is a map of hatred, she reacts in a way that a human being would, which is vicious rage and hurt. And my watch is yelling at me now. Um, <laughs> I don't even know what the hell my watch heard me say. Uh, it just started screaming at me. Um, but yeah, I, I like that. I like that. It's like, yes, let's allow this person to react as a person. Yeah. To, to then demand that like, look, I like you as a person. I, I liked you before I knew all this shit about you. But like, you got to get rid of that fucking shit. Like, I don't know. Horrible I, to have I, around. At the, at the same so time. Yeah. Is it realistic? I'm oh, sorry. I don't even want to say realistic. Does it make sense for somebody who not like who I'm going to say, I, I don't even want to say here. Okay. Do it. I get that. Unlike Sigourney Weaver's character, this is a character who has a reaction and is uh, like, oh shit, like this is a bad thing. But I don't think somebody would stay with him. Right. Like, it doesn't really make sense. It's one thing to have that reaction, but it's another thing to be like, oh, it's it's cool. Like, we'll we'll figure this out. No, first of all, she's like what, 22? Yeah. If that uh it's 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 just not likely that someone of her generation and it's not likely that a, a young black woman 
Yeah. I mean, I I don't know if I should say that either because like I don't I'm not a black person myself, but it just seems like a fucking fantasy on Trader's part that a man would like this would have redemption by being accepted and loved by a person who was in a group that his ideology hated. Like it but is I don't think that her love is the source of his redemption. Is it not? I don't think so. The way also, like, I feel like that is bullshit because also yeah. we saw the same thing in Card Counter, which is another extremely problematic man with a history of abusing others who is quote unquote saved by the love of a black woman. Right. But my, my thing is it's not like he's in a white supremacist group and falls in love with her. And then like everything changes and he's like, Oh shit. Like, you know, well, yeah, he's already in Witsec. Like, right. But I think that, but did he turn because he really didn't feel those things or did he turn because that was what was like prudent for his legal situation? I, I, it felt to me like he had a moral awakening and that's why he did it. Like he, he goes, he kills that guy he doesn't kill the guy's family, which I guess is like very low bar to clear, but he clears it. And I think that's when he has his moral awakening and realizes, Oh God damn it. What the fuck am I doing? And I think that like he, he like helped. They said like, you helped to like completely dismantle this fucking shit, but you're not out of the woods because anyone who wants to make a name for themselves can say like, I killed this guy. Cause he's like, apparently the biggest turn that the, the, you know, the, the government had in like taking out all these white supremacists. And I think that you don't go to that level and, and help to that extent and then have your, your not parole officer, your like case manager literally say like, man, I wish that you weren't in witness protection because I would love to trumpet how fucking great you are. Like you're awesome. We love you. You've like never had a problem. You've really like been a model guy. I think that he has, he has fully and honestly changed, but he's never able to say that because to say that would be to admit that he had been a certain way in the first place. Hmm. And I think that he is who he appears to be when we first see him. And, you know, it's not like he reacts to this young woman with uh, like disgust when he first sees her, but he doesn't have like the Edward Norton going to jail thing in American History X. Mm. Where, like, he meets a funny black guy and so suddenly he's not racist anymore. Um, he's he's open. He's fine with everyone. Like, he's got a, a black woman on his crew already. Like, I think that yeah. this is just a point where he's finally met someone who he feels able to give a full picture of himself and half, and trusts that she will be able to accept him in that way. Okay, maybe that's correct. Maybe he is already quote unquote redeemed before he gets with this character. At the same time, would would someone in her place accept that? Like, okay, right. he's changed. You even if you felt like he did change, most likely somebody with that history, it's just going to be like an automatic no. I mean, perhaps. To quote Liz Lemon, deal breaker. <laughs> That's yeah, a deal I breaker, mean, ladies. <laughs> even if he's not espousing, you know, X, Y, or Z in her presence, 
it's just like not nah, but so like, you there's a million so you, other guys out there so you're you believe that he is because of his past unworthy of love ever again no i didn't say it was unworthy of love i said that it seemed unlikely that somebody in her position would be accepting and loving of that right but i think that's right. like even someone that? someone that's coming off of a abusive potential drug relationship well that just like that makes her even more vulnerable but like exactly yeah no. maybe maybe but it's still i feel like it does disservice to the character in a way I, yeah and it's also the thing where again it's like when she see it's like you're getting rid of them and, but she's like they still fuck that you're just kind of like okay like you know it's not well, waiting until he gets rid of them but you know but then is i don't know because like now that makes it seem like an ultimatum of like you're not getting laid until you get rid of your tattoos this is like i am admitting that i want you and that we have a connection i also really want you to get rid of those and he's like i will and i think that there's i think that there's something to her hearing that and believing it and him saying it and meaning it that that's just as important as it actually getting done. I agree. But again, yeah, okay, know. he gets he's he's cured. He's <laughs> a good person now. He's uh, I don't I don't pulled from his veins. I don't know. Like, I, I, it is, I, it is he like, gets the fucking things removed or changed. Does do, that do you actually ever? mean that she could love him? Like I don't know. It seems I, the again, movie posits yes. <laughs> Yeah, but it's just like that is a flaw of the movie, I think. I yeah. think that I mean, I don't know. I mean, like the the question becomes do you think that that's a thing that could happen? And I I would like to believe that it could, I guess. I I don't even think it's a it's a question of do I think that's a thing that can happen? I think I think I have to remove myself from that because otherwise then Star Wars becomes just, (laughs) you know, like what the fuck? So I think in this world that the movie has created, I think this woman has a troubled past. Right. And this is. You know, I I mean, we can say pie in the sky. This is a fairy tale romance that like ends happily ever after. Or we can Ah. say that this is something that ends in a month. I don't know which one this is, but I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, yeah, they're getting married and they're together for the rest of their life. I I don't think that's what this. So sure. Well, well, don't don't we fucking all. I mean, every time you get (laughs) married to somebody, you're like, all right, this is the one. Oh, yeah. Sometimes it ain't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Look who you're talking yeah. to. I was about to so, say. By the way, if oh, I know, knows I know anyone... exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, but I am the so, most divorced I mean, man that's ever existed. I, I just, I just think in this in this film's world, I think I think it sets up that yeah, like it, this is a romance that I can I can believe in because this is a fucked up world where a guy you know with Nazi tattoos all over his back is suddenly interested in a black woman. Like I'm like okay. Yeah, I whatever. believe he is. I, I sure, <laughs> like, but I'll, but you don't that believe that TNA, she could ever be. I believe it. I don't <clears throat> believe that she. I don't believe that she could so easily forgive. Who said that it's so, easy? So the the but well the the issue the one of the things is that she falls for him way before she ever knows about his past. Yeah. So then she a, doesn't. Then she hasn't fallen for him. Then it's mere attraction. But I'll, like speaking of mere attraction and treading into some waters age gap 
Mm-hmm. What do we make of it? Like, she's what? 20? It's like the least of their problems, but I, I know. It is the least of their fucking problems. And he's supposed to be like the mentor teacher, and she's supposed to be training. Like, there's so much well, there. There's a power like, dynamic because he's her boss. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's age gaps all over the place because him and Sigourney have a, a have a pretty big disparity in terms of age as well, don't they? Yeah. Oh, and then also she is his boss. Mm. Yeah. Oh man, see, this is this is a toxic it's, work it's environment, all over. guys. Yeah. I think that- <laughs> it's, it's all over the place. <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't. I don't know the the the. I don't even. I don't even want to call it May December. Perhaps like May <laughs> September. Like, <laughs> I don't know. but like, I guess that's it though. Is because like you know Sigourney when he she like attacks their budding flirtation whatever. Like specifically says, oh, you're like Humbert, Humbert, and Lolita, and blah blah blah. And like speaking of you know, as we're talking about literary references and symbolism and all that stuff, it's yeah. like they. Maybe because it was like she said it so clearly and concisely that then we were able to kind of just like keep moving on with. Well, I think that also in a way it kind of like sweeps away because it is that thing of just kind of like seeing the age gap and then being like, oh, wait, but she's not a 13 year old girl. They're both exactly Mm -hmm. having that line is almost like, you know, it kind of negates that sort of thought train that could happen. Cause you're like, oh, it's weird, and then she like brings up Lolita, and you're like, okay, but it's not that weird. It's not like yeah. it's not call me by your name or licorice pizza, you know? Like yeah. she's a full on adult. Yeah, which it's good that they and actually in terms of like establishing that, it was interesting because like what it was the fact that Sigourney Weaver had um was it a photo of her as a girl, and then it was the whole thing of like, oh, how old is she? And it's like, I don't know. I <laughs> know. <laughs> Which again just lets you know what kind of person Sigourney Weaver is. Then again, I I feel like I wouldn't be able to accurately say what my actual niece's age is. Sorry, grand niece. <laughs> what? what? You're a terrible uncle. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm seriously. The fucking worst. I don't know what to tell you. I think she's ten. I don't know. She's got a birthday coming up, so uh, I'm sure someone will say it when that happens. <laughs> I, but yes, yeah, so like in terms of the like how they like that's the thing in terms of establishing all these characters, it's the fact that again, it's the vague terminology, this uh, you know, cloaked in symbolisms and things to get symbolism back in. But it's just like it's interesting how vague it all remains, but also you can still like the way that it's done, you can still keep going with it without asking to actually something that was kind of funny. What was it? They were at like when they go on their very Lolita-like road trip, by the way, <laughs> uh, you know, it's like he absconds with her. Um, anyways. Gotta get so, away from them drugs. Yeah. Which, again, what drugs are they? Yeah. So, it's so fucking I mean, big. you know, I don't know. She's definitely not on meth. Um, <laughs> it doesn't seem like it's cocaine either. I would definitely like, say it's, it's some kind of like opiate, probably. Yeah. Especially with the way she's going through withdrawal. And like her kind of like snapping at him and then coming out and being like, what? What's the problem? And also like how she was so easily able to just like throw it out the window. Yeah. Yeah. And something small. Yeah. It definitely like cr- clattered it def- on the ground. It definitely wasn't like a full on bong. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> she just takes out like a fucking four foot long massive water pipe and throws it out the window. Fine, bro. Whatever. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sure that it's I'm sure that it's some sort of opiate. 
Oh, okay. So going back though to the like, the which I, comes like, from a plant. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's all natural, man. Um, yeah, no, but like in terms of just like, again, it's like going back to Schrader's writing and like how intentional or clunky or smart. There was that whole thing where when they go to that other garden center thingamabob, um, and I was like, wait, how many are there in the United States? And then literally the next line is like, um, you know, a voiceover of there are like 330, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. And I was <laughs> like, you know, like I, will, mind. I will say I this movie did make me want to go to a botanical garden. <laughs> I want to go check yeah. some stuff out. Like, I nice. honestly had no idea there were that many because I because like I think of them in terms of like I don't know Monticello having like gardens and stuff, but I never thought yeah. of them as like individually like not necessarily tied. I guess you know the the one in the film is tied to a historical estate, so to speak, but like also the whole thing is the gardens. Like I, I have no idea, but yeah. like yeah, see, I didn't think that there were botanical gardens around the United States that much. I mean, I it's oh, funny because like America's in DC, people are like, oh, like the botanical gardens. But I always assume that like almost like every city had like a, a natural history museum or something. Right. You know, it's like, yeah, you get like one a city. That's yeah. fine. Like, but it has to be a big city, like a metropolitan city. Yeah. You know? But it, yeah, it makes sense that like, you know, some of these like old estates would have their gardens. You know, I'm sure that there's a fucking aster something somewhere that has a garden attached to it. I don't yeah. know why the asters were my go-to, but <laughs> there's <laughs> botanical gardens everywhere. Yeah, are there any asters left? Um, the fuck is I an aster? So. You don't know the well, asters? Well, what? Um, Mary Aster had kids, right? Um, yeah. But the asters is in Jacob Aster, right? Yeah, the uh, Aster family <laughs> achieved prominence in business, society, and politics in the United States. Uh, yeah. Well, Jake uh, was current the head is William daddy, Astor, right? fourth Viscount. What? Oh, I count. Oh, uh, sorry. <laughs> Dewager. <laughs> and it turns out I'm the one who can read all along. Yeah, John Jacob Astor is a guy. He's like, oh man, like the Wikipedia for this is deep. I will say, Bill, you know, if you since I mean, I don't know where you grew up, Diana. I think probably the south of Virginia. Or I I moved up and down the East Coast. Okay, uh, yeah. So I'm also an East Coaster. Like you just pick up on these old money names because they just are they've infiltrated everywhere. Yes. Um, you may not have the same kind of like snobbery built into Texas in the same way. Which is probably a snooty thing well, for me I mean, to say. That's, no, because like, ever, like you know, William Austin, you know, Houston, like all those, those are like the founding fathers of Texas. They got but like it's a different, like what you're describing is kind of like William Penn of Pennsylvania. Well, yeah. like what we're kind of alluding to is just it's these people who like I'm thinking, you know, J.P. Morgan. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and like you know the um, robber barons. There's like yeah. a Merriweather is like a big and one in the DC area. Well, a JP Morgan was new money. I'm talking about like old money, like yeah. the founders of Boston kind of. Oh, indeed. Money. Like, um, oh, what's the women's hospital that has interesting names involved? Brigham? Yeah. Like Brigham's a very Boston name, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But like, no, but like or like even um I don't know. Like, I'm trying to think, like, you know, you can go around like Long Island and New York and stuff, and you'll see 
all these names that keep popping up at all these different locations. And it's yeah, all like Gansevert and, you know, the Astors and yeah, all, like, like Astoria Queens is named after Astors, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Waldorf Astoria is, you know. Exactly. Meriwether Post uh, is a big one down here. She was fucking rich as shit. <laughs> oh, wasn't she? She's the one who had Mar-a-Lago, right? Yeah. 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 Um, and she was the she was the owner of General Foods Corporation. Like post is post, you know, post cereal. But again, um, by Ro- by Robin's Bo- Robin's Boston standards, that's new money. Yes. Yeah, it is new money. Uh, Robin Robin's got the Beacon Hill Register. Exactly. <laughs> and I, you didn't I mean, come I over on the Mayflower. <laughs> your new money. She's actually exactly. she's responsible for like a fuck off massive estate here that is a like Russian art history museum that I need to go and see. I'm surprised Wait, why you haven't yet. Not- that seems like it screams you. It's it does scream me. It screams me really loudly. Um, and I don't know. She was a Russophile, so she got a bunch of stuff. There's like, cause like, there's a bunch of Faberge eggs there. I need to go see these things. It's in Rock <laughs> Creek Park. <laughs> well, that's cool. Yeah, I'm. Sh- it's yeah, Hillwood Estates Museum and Gardens. Oh my god, I need to go to this place. I can see <laughs> You're the like, gardens. Oh, garden boy now. I can see gardens and eggs, <laughs> gardens and grounds. Landscape architect William Gephardt. Designed Arbremont, creating a landscape molded around the 25 acres, later owned by Post. Oh, yes. There's a motor court, a French parterre, a rose garden, a putting green, and a lunar lawn, and a Japanese style garden. See, it's got everything. There's also a fucking pet cemetery for some reason. That's weird. Oh, God. How is it spelled? Uh, With a C. Okay. That's better than the um, first wife cemetery at Trump's golf place in New Jersey. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, Ivana Trump is buried near what? Either the first or 18th hole. You know how fucking terrifying that is? That's pretty terrifying. That is can't deny. really, really Far, weird. But, like, yeah, especially because she remarried later. Like, I feel yeah, like- but I bet she always loved Trump. Ugh. Bet she never stopped loving him. I, I mean, I don't know. I'm just, just, just no, but also like, a dead I, woman, like but- I just imagine like anyone. That so you could believe that she could love him, but that <laughs> this girl. Yes, I believe fall that in love. a woman who grew up in a communist country fell in love with a robber baron for the rest of her life. Yes, I believe that. <laughs> I'm just I'm just making sure we we understand. Okay. Right. Yeah. What, are, what women absolute people fall in love with evil people all the time. I, I'm and I'm not even saying this character is quote unquote evil. I mean maybe he is or I, I don't know. Now I'm getting caught up in the sort was. of like, well we're getting into the finality so, of evil. So the pet cemetery exactly. is filled with poodles, hounds, and spaniels, and the last burial took place in the cemetery in 1972, and it was post Schnauzer Scampy. <gasps> Scampy. 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 Come here, Scampy. <laughs> like a shrimp Scampy, or like he's a little scamp. Like he's like very scampy. A M P I. I don't know. Is that shrimp? Oh, scampy. he's a shrimp scampy then. Oh, that's oh. I like him as a little scamper. Me too, but it's not. He's shrimp. Well, he oh. scampers, but maybe he also ate some shrimp scampy, and she was like, oh. Scampy loves his scampy. <laughs> oh, speaking of food. What did you guys think of the like sandwiches that um, they had? 
at the like in the garden center when you know it's like they have their familiar reunion lunch thing uh, I was just, oh, it's bread fine enough i guess they were better than the ones they served at fire festival i don't know <laughs> no no i just like it was curious and then like i don't know i always have an eye for food and it's maybe because you know being the scorsese file that i am oh, and it's yeah. about old money and you know age of innocence of course comes to mind and none of that food looks appetizing that no, um, the, the best food in a martin scorsese movie is the food that was in that prison in goodfellas yeah, oh, the sliced garlic. Oh, uh, the garlic oh. with the razor blade. <laughs> yeah. And you know, oh, also like the uh the the blueberry muffins in a casino even though some oh. of the blueberry muffins didn't have enough blueberries in them. Yeah. Fucking love well, that movie. Anyway, funny. um But no, I doesn't believe in love. <laughs> no, I believe in love that makes logical sense. Uh, but, I guess that means uh, I don't Robin, believe in love. Robin, love doesn't <laughs> logical sense love knows no boundaries it knows no time it knows no gravity exactly. you're making me sick <laughs> but no like <laughs> love like yeah no there is no such thing as rational thinking when it comes to love otherwise but there's rational choices no there's not yeah sure there is i made a deeply irrational What's love choice got to do with it as and i made a child with someone <laughs> If I was rational, I would not be divorced and I would not have a daughter I love so much. No, the divorce was ra- a rational response to the No, I mean I would not be divorced because I never would have gotten married in the first place. Okay, but again, right. what's love got to do with it? You I don't know. Love Let's... somebody doesn't mean that it's going to work out, doesn't <laughs> mean that it makes any sense. Right. Right. That's, That's literally what, what we're saying, Robin. Is there's no sense to it. It's love. <laughs> But what does love have to do with making good choices? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> what is going on right now? I don't know. I feel like Robin's proving our point, but just no, doesn't realize what I'm it. I'm saying is no. I'm saying the opposite. Like, okay, right. That's so you fucking love him. So what? Grow up. Well, well, okay, but she's 22. <laughs> <laughs> no, I again. So- that's a problem. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. They, young people do stupid things. Yeah. Yep. Maybe it won't work out. Or maybe it'll be the most enduring relationship <gasps> and they'll love each other. So this was what was funny, actually. What was funny is I was talking to a girl who, like, reads romance novels and does not watch these kinds of movies. And I was like, yeah, I just watched this movie. It's called Master Gardener. And she's like, well, what did you think of it? I was like, oh, I loved it. It was really great. And she said, what's it about? And I was like, oh, it's about this guy who's like a gardener at an estate and like the woman who owns the estate asks if he can like help out her like grandniece and you know how they like you know bond with each other. I was trying to keep it vague. I just I don't know. I didn't like she'd never watched this, so I don't know why I was trying to protect spoilers. But I you know intrinsically felt like I can't say what the movie's about. But then she said, "Oh, that sounds cute. I'm going to watch that." And I was like, "All right, it's time oh. to actually it's time to break out some <laughs> of the plot points." Mm-hmm. And I said, "Well, no, it's a little darker than I made it sound." She's like. Oh, so it's like, is it creepy? Like, is he a creepy guy? And I was like, so, well, I mean, so, you know, she's biracial and he is a uh, murderous white supremacist who's under witness protection. Um, You know, but they hook up. Yeah. But like she makes him promise that he's going to get rid of his uh, his Nazi tattoos. And then at a certain point, you know, he gives her the option to uh, murder her ex and a drug dealer. Uh, but she decides not to, but he breaks their knees anyway, because you got to make them pay somehow. 
and uh, yeah. they uh, end dancing on a porch. And she's like, I really don't know how to respond to any of that. So like, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty crazy movie. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I just like walking her through it. She's like, oh, yeah, I totally misread what kind of movie that was going to be. I was like, yeah. Yeah, not yeah. cute. <laughs> no, not. It's, I just like so cute. I have had too many people get fucking furious at me when I like don't properly prepare them for what kind of movie they're about to see. And so I didn't want her to like come at me and be like, I thought it was going to be a Nicholas Sparks novel. <laughs> Instead, I had to watch two drug dealers get their kneecaps broken. <laughs> Well, yep. you could definitely edit this into a Nicholas Sparks movie. Oh, yeah. This is ripe for like, you know, that um Shining parody trailer that makes it seem like, mm-hmm. a, like a cute Heartwarming family Heartwarming family. Yeah. Fam- yeah. You could do that yeah. with this. Totally. Yeah. Especially with the ending and with the... Well, that's what's crazy. Is I was like, okay, so at what point is Joel Edgerton going to die or like go back to right. prison? Like when is like the other... And it, it, like, or they when end is up... she going to die? Or like that was... Uh, no, one she was always going to live. Oh, no, it was funny because like the uh, people I saw it with, it was the whole thing where I think um, one of them, they definitely thought she was going to die. And then the other... What was it? There was something else that was kind of funny. Oh, and another theory is that the whole scene before the CGI and the flowers, that might have actually been a dream sequence. That was a theory somebody told me. You know what Oh, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, I don't Like, what that. do you guys think about that theory? I did, like, I didn't think of it. No, and then, it's, nothing I mean, is I, ever a dream sequence. It's all Okay! I'm tired of dream sequences. Oh, the movie is only the first scene, and everything afterwards is him dying. No, that's not <laughs> how it works. You mean, like, a short story? Oh, you mean like one short story that ruined every like cinematic and literary reading for the rest of eternity? I'm just saying. God damn it, Occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge. God damn it. The Battle of the English Majors. Stupid fucking Ambrose Bierce ruined everything forever. (laughs) He's like, oh, this is clever as shit. And we're like, yeah, Ambrose, that's awesome. Good for you. And then everyone's like, but what if it's like an occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge? What if it's like Jacob's Ladder? <laughs> All right, spoilers. Spoiler. Sorry, spoilers for Jacob's Ladder and an occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge, I guess. I'm sorry. There was a question. And the Bob Newhart show, right? That's true. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> everything that took place in St. Elsewhere, right? That's where it's like. Yeah, that world. was. Yeah. Um, so what was I going to say? So. I, there, there was a thing. Oh yeah. So I was like, he's going to die or go in jail, but he's going to be happy because this girl is like safe. Like I never thought she was going to die. Cause that's not what happens in a Paul Schrader movie. Okay. Like Paul Schrader, like the woman lives and the other guy yeah. gets like grievously mortally wounded. You know, it's taxi driver again. After killing people that like, that was another point is that instead of him being the one to pull the trigger, handing the gun to her. And then, although he still bats the shit out of their knees, Right, but they're alive. Yeah, exactly. So I would like watch this movie and it ended and I was like, is Paul Schrader like getting soft? Like, is he is he yeah. turned into a romantic? The movie ends with this like gorgeous song playing as they like slow dance on a porch after yeah. Sigourney Weaver just threatened to fucking murder him. It was yeah. crazy. He's like, we're going to live in that house together as husband and wife. And I was like, damn, Narvel, did you talk to Maya about that? And like, yeah, mm-hmm. you went there. And they like danced happily. It was cute. Yeah, with his cute child shit. bride. Yeah, Not a child Robin. 
She's not, and I and I do think the Lolita reference is pretty stupid. Right, and but I think that the that's the movie calling out like, young. look, the worst character in this movie just said Lolita, so you shouldn't say that. Right, <laughs> it's like that association. But again, they go on a road trip. Lolita, just that. <laughs> yes, every time I went on a road trip with friends in college, I was like, guys, this is just like Lolita. <laughs> well, it's, you know what? We're gonna go sell heroin in Charleston, just like so. Lolita. You know that is actually based on a true story, like or. I'm not saying yeah, all of the yeah. true story, but the the a man did kidnap a young girl and brought her on this like very long. Oh fucking r- yeah! I bet it is. I mean, there's a whole the man yeah. act is explicitly about not letting people do that. What but man? You know what? The it's, man act, the M A N N act, is like yeah, about take like, minors over state lines. Yeah. Uh, but um, no. What was it? Instead of, uh, was it instead of a narcotics or like instead of Humbert Humbert doing Lolita's toenails, you've got uh, Narvel bringing um, Maya to uh, Narcotics Anonymous. Yep. Mm. How's, that for, how's that for a way too big stretch? <laughs> <laughs> I also hate that we call that character Lolita because her name was Dolores. Yes, like, Lolita was the ca- the persona that he created for this child, but yes. instead, yeah. anyway, anyway, was, uh, what was it? Uh, low in the it was like all those different names it opens with of like yeah. low. Yeah, I do love that. Like his little his little like like the 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 passage about the way that like it's like gross as fuck, but like the way your tongue moves as you say the name. Lolita. Like it starts in the palate and ends on the teeth or whatever. I also yeah. love that that book, the first like part of that book where he's explaining his like childhood is like a full on fucking adaptation of Annabelle Lee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the exactly. I was reading it the first time and I was like, is this is this literally fucking Annabelle Lee? Yeah, like just a chill gonna drop. come off the water and she's gonna die and like lay to rest in a sepulchre by the sea? Like, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that really what happens? Yes. Like, what do you mean? Like, like to it, everyone? No, 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 no. What I mean is like in the book, it's it not only does it allude to Annabelle Lee, but the character that you're referring yeah. to actually does die. Yes, and no, like, it is literally. Yeah. He just retells the the Edgar Allan Poe poem Annabelle Lee, but like as a way to explain why this guy is obsessed with like barely pubescent girls. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because well, like, he was also, like yeah. sort of gonna get laid once when he was like 13, and instead she full on fucking died. <laughs> oh my god! It's like so, who's afraid? <laughs> like totally stunted forever. Yes, I was afraid. Yeah, yeah, like it's <laughs> yeah, and then uh, just like in Bo is afraid, Lolita ends with having to stab a penis monster to death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, spoilers! <laughs> yeah, oops, sorry. <laughs> I know everyone was clamoring to see Bo is afraid. Um, Master Gardener uh, does not end with stabbing a penis monster to death. Rather, it ends with a very cute little uh, porch dance. Yeah, so cute. It's so lovely. Which maybe if my friend had seen this and I hadn't told her anything else, I would have been like, what do you mean it wasn't a romance? Didn't you see at the end when they were dancing on the porch? <laughs> Again, with the That's music. That's 100% the something that would happen in Nights in Rodanthe or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> the lighting, and I assume there are fireflies. Um, 
Oh, that okay. To circle back a bu- a bunch. <laughs> what do you guys think of the CGI scene with the flowers? Man, like the, I don't know. Like, the only know. memorable thing in the movie. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. I don't know. It was fine. It was like cheesy as shit, but I guess like that's what they both might feel like in that moment. I don't know. It's no weirder than the Magical Uh Mystery Tour in First Reformed. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) I I liked it. It was fine. I almost wish that they'd gone a little more obviously fake with it. Like, honestly, I was watching it. I was like, you know, I bet Wes Anderson would have like done some really cool shit in this. You know what? This just made me think of an anchor man with the pandas. <laughs> yeah. That whole bit. And what? It was Tom Jones playing. Wait, did this just literally kind of do a Schrader lift from Anchorman? <laughs> Instead of like animated pandas getting it on, it's um flowers. Yes. <laughs> I feel like we're going to be the only discussion that makes that reach. Probably. Um, I will say uh, Schrader's given some excellent interviews uh, over the course of talking about this movie. Yes. I um, I read his one in IndieWire and in Variety, and both were incredible. <laughs> what are some of the big highlights you'd like to share with the listeners? There was a point where he was like, I knew I was hitting like every hot button on the console. And so I said, like, what if we cast Kevin Spacey so that people don't even think about <gasps> it? Wow. It's clearly a joke, but it's just like, I love that he thought that. Um, And then he was talking about, uh, like, you know, people are like bringing up the race and he's like, look, it's it's about race as much as it's about gardening. Like, you know, what it's really about is, and he kind of makes the point that I made about, you know, it's about everything. It's about like, you know, finding redemption for anything. But, you know, this is the, the, the form it's taken. And um, yeah, just like that, that concept of like the movie can be about this without being solely about it. You know, it can have these things without being the only thing. And I like that he looks in things that way, because like, again, that allows him to get away with with most of the stuff that he does in this. Whereas the book that I read fucking annoyed the shit out of me. (laughs) I couldn't handle when I realized what it was doing. I was like, please don't do this. Don't go here. Don't make this the thing that you're doing. Whereas Master Gardener, I was like, oh, that's cute. I like it. (laughs) So how many stars out of four would you give it? (laughs) I don't know, three and a half. Okay. I think think that what's weird is that you could could remove all... Well, I don't know. I was about to say, oh, you could remove the part with the drug dealers. But I think it's important that he gives her the opportunity for, like, violent vengeance and she pulls away from it and then he also pulls away from it i think that that's like another layer of showing the way that they've affected each other positively so like it does feel like a little weird but also yeah their 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 influence on her puts her in a state of vulnerability that allows them to bond in the way that they do so yeah i don't know i like keep it all three and a half but out of five, how many stars would you give it? A four? I don't know. <laughs> okay. Why are you doing this to me? I've told you guys before, like I when I'm when I'm doing like reviews for the film stage, I write the review, I hand it to Jordan, I'm like, don't even tell me what grade you're giving it. I don't care. Really? Yeah, I don't I have I have no concept of what to grade a, a movie. <gasps> that, no, that remind okay, so when I used to write for IndieWire, it was the thing where I think the first time I submitted a review, or maybe not the first, but like early on, and it was around the time like remember Critic Wire? Mm-hmm. Yes. RIP. I loved Critic Wire. But anyway, <laughs> so the thing was I thought all the, like for some reason, 
I like I wrote this review and then for the grade assigned to it, I just went to Critic Wire and found the average and put it. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I would write the thing. No, so, I... so it's like, you know, no, but it was funny though, because then like Eric Cohn got back to me and it was just kind of like, uh, Diana, the grade doesn't really match the review. And I'm like, oh, wait, I put the grade? What? Well, so Jordan would reach out to me every once in a while and be like, hey, so you graded it this, but like reading your thing, it feels like it should be higher. And I was like, you're the boss, whatever you say. And then sometimes yeah. you'd be like, you gave it this high grade, but you sounded really negative on it. I'm like, maybe I was. I don't know. Do whatever you feel feels right, Jordan. So now <laughs> I don't even bother. And he'll just text me and be like, hey, it's going up tomorrow. I gave it a B minus. And I'm like, sounds great. I think the only time I ever fought with him on the grade was when I gave an A plus to Sean the Sheep movie because he was like, we've given given out like four of those in the history of the site. And I was like, well, you're giving out a fifth one. Oh, that's beautiful. Wow. You stood your ground. I did. I was like, dude, like no notes. Perfect movie. I've never laughed this hard in a movie theater. I was like deeply embarrassed by how much I was laughing. Oh, that's so Should I see this movie? Sean the, Sheep. Sean the Sheep's great. Yeah. You never awesome. seen the, the the Sean movies? No. Shorts. Sean, well, yeah, the shorts are great. The The TV show is pretty cute. And then the movie, the first movie is like fucking perfect. The second one is cute as shit. I don't think it's as perfect. Where Rabbit? No, no, that's that's Wallace and Gromit. Oh, that, no, the yeah, second Sean well, the Sheep well, movie okay, okay, is okay. the one with the well, alien. Well, Farmageddon. Oh, that was amazing. Curse of the Were Rabbit's lovely. Oh yeah, Curse of the Were Rabbit's great. Uh, and then was it um what uh Matter of Death hmm? and uh Curious Case of Pants, a matter of loaf and death, just speaking of Wallace and Gromit. <laughs> oh because it's all the same. It's uh oh my god, Ardman. what are they called? Ardman, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say Aardvark. Very <laughs> uh, no, like, much. Yeah, because like I've written, I think not too much like i have written for the film stage and it was a fantastic experience and i'd love to again but yeah i don't um yeah hint hint nudge nudge jordan um but anyways no like i don't i think um when i did letter grading we didn't really have any discussion which might have been just jordan like throwing his hands up in the air and just being like ah whatever she wants But um, yeah, no, it's weird when you have to do that of like, you know, grading or numbers. Cause like for like when I, that's where like for festival reviews, I either under or overhype the crap out of everything. And I regret every grade I've ever given out out of a festival. Why? Like, do you feel like you would get caught up in the community class? Okay. Especially when you like, like for example, did you guys see Manglehorn? No. I'm sorry. It's called, it's called what? Manglehorn with Al Pacino. Oh, I'm aware of that movie. Yeah, I never saw it, but I know that it yeah, exists. Yeah, that was I. I saw it at TIFF, and I was really wrapped up in how I'm um, like just Al Pacino being Al Pacino being Al Pacino. So I gave that a very <laughs> stellar. I think like an A minus, and I regret that forever. <laughs> That's um, just that. Festival wow, this is like David, critic real talk right David now. David Gordon Green. Hey, guess what? It's on Amazon or AMC Plus. Of course it is. Versus, oh, one thing that I, re- another, oh, was it? The Kate Winslet movie where she's, she does the gardens at Versailles. It links. Okay. Oh my God. I was thinking about that movie when this came out because I thought they were the same movie. And I was like, I didn't this come out already? Like, yeah, I guess that would be, that would be Mistress Gardner. I might've, I might've been at that tiff where Manglehorn was. 
Yeah, because like, no, it's just like, because that was the, I think the same year as, or similar year as the one with the Kate Winslet one. And I went in being way too harsh and high expectations. And it was directed by Alan Rickman. And I gave it a really like, you know. That's like, the Versailles one? Yeah. And like, I gave it a very like, pissy, immature, like, there's no chemistry. This isn't a rom- mm. no romantic whatever. How dare they? Um, yeah, I think what, like a few months later, Alan Rickman had died. <laughs> I mean, you know, just because a man is on his death's door doesn't mean he can't like face the music. <laughs> but no, but again, it wasn't even like good critic. You know what I mean? Like if I was, yeah, thinking, I know what you, you know, mean. and I say this as though he would have had any wind of this review, but like, you know what I mean though? It's just kind of like, it's those things where, because like, as we all know, it's like with festival settings and stuff, it's like, you have to. Like, I've seen people who, like, they walk out of the movie, they have, like, the review up within, like, an hour or two. Mm. And I've tried that. I've tried that even with, like, you know, press screenings. I'm not that person. And I always regret it when I try to be that person. Oh, I So I only ever went to one festival, and it was TIFF. And I think it was the TIFF where Manglehorn was, because I looked up the, the few movies I remember from that one. Was it 2014? Are, yeah, 2014. So I, I did Gemma Bovary. <gasps> yeah. And I, I feel like I gave that... A decent enough score i can't remember i don't even know how i'd look it up but like yeah i i was that guy i like got out of a movie and tried to like write the review before the next movie because yeah, like no. i was there for three days and then i had to like drive back to dc and i was like there's oh, no God. fucking way once i leave this city i am not writing another goddamn review so i'd yeah. like oh no go to the bar yeah. across the street and i'd order a creamore which is like their cheap domestic beer and yeah. then I'd drink and I'd write my review and then I'd That's chain funny. smoke and then I'd go to the next. Uh, Dude, stage. that was my experience with Miss Julie was that because like, I think my editor was on me of like, I need something lady. Um, and so with Miss Julie, it was the thing where I went and I got um, frites and Belgian beer and I just wrote the thing. <laughs> no, but like That's the experience though. You have to just like, you know, pull through it. But like, oh, it's just not like, how do you like that? I didn't enjoy it. I um I I also was doing an audio dispatch, so I like had a tape recorder oh. on me, a tape recorder. It was digital, and I would like give my thoughts as I was walking between movies, and then like oh god, I would edit it and I would write more at like this jazz club that I found where I would drink each night. I was like living a real Brian Rowan lifestyle up there. It was <laughs> awesome. Um. Anyway, we're, what year was that? That was 2014, I think. Yeah. So your daughter had not been born yet. That is correct. Yes. <laughs> so you could be fully immature. You know, you could be off the rails. Right. I I literally just drove up to this place. I like stayed at like a guest apartment in my friend's apartment building, and just like the entire time was just, it was like nuts. I was like I go like there were times when I looked around while I was there and I was like what the fuck am I doing here? Yeah. I like know two people. I'm going to all these things. I'm getting paid like six bucks a review. <laughs> At least you were getting paid. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, I've definitely had it where it's just like, oh, we'll get you a badge. And then that's where I'm kind of like, great. And then like trying to rack up, you know, everything outside of that while me, while also not getting the outlet that got you the badge too pissed off at you either. <laughs> you know? Like trying no, to get I went, I like movies. paid all my own stuff. And so it was like, hey, I'm going to see these movies. Do you want reviews? And it's like, well, we're not going to say no. And it's like, all right, cool. Uh, you can expect them at some point and i saw like a bunch of crazy ass movies because i was like i'm not gonna battle to see the movies that are gonna get an oscar release i'm gonna see the weird ones 
Well, what were some of the... Wait, did you see Tusk? Was that that year? I didn't see that, no. I saw the big one, the, like the... Like, like literally the fact that, like, Gemma Arterton was in a movie. That was, like, one of the uh, biggest her. stars I saw. I was like, okay, here's Gemma Bovary. Here's a... Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw something called Cut Snake that has a guy who I think is in the, that TV show Blind Spot. <laughs> like... I just like, yeah, I saw a bunch of movies that I wanted to see. Uh, there was a really great one called Magical Girl that was Spanish and weird. Um, yeah, I don't know. Oh. And then and then that was the year that their sister city was like Seoul, South Korea. So I saw like four masterpieces from Korea. It was incredible. Anyway. And that, folks, is why you should all go to TIFF 2023. Precisely. <laughs> Oh, yeah. You know what's funny is that one of the things, to tie this back so it doesn't seem completely <laughs> pointless that we've been talking about this, uh, Paul Schrader said that like this movie was denied from TIFF because what? the guy who... Oh, God, I should have like kept all these up when I was reading them earlier. Because he said the guy who was doing um, the programming was like, I don't find this to be realistic. Or like, he didn't like the fact that all this what? stuff was happening. Let me see if I could pull this up real quick. It's got to be in my search history. Yeah, because this, what, what, it premiered at Venice? Am I correct? I think so. I wish I could remember the guy's name. Who's the guy? So I could just search this. Ba, 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 ba. Um, like the programmer? Yeah, I want to say it's Bailey. Yeah, all right. So here we go. All right, so the question was, the romance that develops in this film is pretty provocative. I could see it pissing some people. I don't know why I'm making the Vanity Fair person sound like this. I could see it pissing some people off. What was the reaction? What has the reaction been thus far? To which Schrader replies, well, Cameron Bailey, who runs Toronto International Film Festival, had issues with it. They wouldn't accept it. He said they couldn't put a film in the festival that treats racism so lightly. The film deals with racism, but it doesn't really deal with racism. It doesn't really deal with right supremacism. Certainly it doesn't really deal with gardening. It deals with the journey of a soul. And then, of course, you know, you put those hot button issues in there and you do a, (laughs) this is the part where it gets weird. You do a reverse mandingo, you know, in the old plantation, Mm -hmm. the field hand or the kitchen girl, we're always pray for the white owner. Oh, Jesus Christ. Here you have, so then he says, here you have the reverse of that, where the proud boy is used by like the the older plantation owner woman. So, yeah. All right, so I take back what I said. This character is evil. I don't care if he's redeem- <laughs> redeemed. I don't care if he's had redemption. Fuck off. Fuck this. No. Yeah. <laughs> I disagree. Oh, <laughs> I, I really, I'm not a person that thinks in black and white, but I'm also just like, you know, but there are, are we going to, are we going to water this plant or do we just like let it fucking die? To bring up your daughter's symbolism. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Though that was never an option. We always water the plant. Yeah, but are you going to water something that's like clearly not worth so, it? So, yeah, let's 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 lean into the daughter symbolism. My daughter, when uh, the time is right during the year, will attempt to capture as many brown caterpillars as she can. Um, these caterpillars uh, don't add anything to the environment. Um, they're mainly food for birds and the moths that hatch out of them, as far as I can tell, have no place or purpose in the ecosystem. The caterpillars are ravenous as fuck. They eat, uh, certain kinds of oak and apple trees and, uh, oddly enough, a bunch of, a bunch of bushes that I planted last year. Um, they are a pest, but she loves them. And so we capture them 
And we give them uh, enough plants that they can turn into their little chrysalis. And then just today, one of them hatched into this really bland looking fucking brown moth. Um, And she's in love with the moth. She thinks it's the cutest thing she's ever seen. It's fuzzy. (laughs) It's got little markings on it, sort of. And she thinks that they're gorgeous. And I said, like, you know, we got to let this thing go. And she said, it's about to rain. We can't let it go until tomorrow after the rain is done. And I agreed. So, like, I don't know. What does that say? (laughs) I don't know how that relates. (laughs) Sometimes there are things that look as though they have no purpose or actually, like, actually wrong. But, like, maybe you find a reason to love them anyway. I don't know. And you keep them until the rain. Yeah, and then you protect them yeah, from the rain, like the even though they don't goddamn deserve it. Yeah, it's not a fucking caterpillar, okay? <laughs> it's just not. But I don't know. <laughs> I, I like the movie. I like the fact that it does see a path forward for people who might otherwise be seen as unredeemable. Because without that, like, what's the point? Like, if there is no redemption, if there is no chance to better oneself, you make that one, that like, that mistake... And you're you're raised in a certain way and there's just no hope for you. Like, even if you ever correct yourself, you still have to live with that yoke. Like, at that point, why go through the bother? Why not just stay in the toxic, corrosive environment just because they accept you and other people never will? And now here's a terrible question. Oh, please. Does it actually, does it, no, does it actually matter to be like that whether or not he's redeemed? Not like, to like the world at large. Not really, no. Or, like, in terms of, like, looking at this as a story within its own contained space, and very clearly it's not based in reality, but that it also speaks to truths, um, to speak very vaguely in, like, an English major. Um, <laughs> That's the theme of tonight. <laughs> yeah. It's like, all our English lit is coming up. Um, yeah, that, like, does it, like, even though, you know, in terms of, like, a character arc and in terms of how we view characters and what we want from a story... Does it actually matter whether he's worthy of redemption or that there is redemption? <laughs> I, I don't. <laughs> I don't know Bill, what you want I don't me know to say. You to... <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't know what you want me to say. Like, I mean, I, I don't. I don't know. What even is redemption? I mean, like that's the so like that's the mm. thing. If, we're, if we're not seeing that if, far into the future. Well, the other problem is if Rob, if what Robin is saying is true, then redemption is not a real thing. Like then you can right. never be redeemed. It's just can someone love. can someone love you despite your awfulness, which is not the same as redemption. It's just like finding someone who can can endure whatever you've done in your past because of who you are now, which is not the same thing as redemption. And like, maybe he's not redeemed. Maybe you can never be redeemed, but maybe you can move on from that. And the person that you are now is not the person you were, but you still have to bear the marks of that person. And again, not redemption, not atonement, but it's finding a level of forgiveness enough to move on and attempt to put more good into the world than the bad you already had before you eventually die. I think I'm responsible for my friend killing himself. Like, I'll never be redeemed. I'll never be able to atone for that. But I can try every day to, like, believe that I can do something more and that life is worth going on about. So, like, yeah, I don't know. Like, that's that's a thing that I've had to live with for, like, over, like, coming up on 
I don't know, 15 years almost now. Like it's just, it's just been a thing in my life that endures is that sense of like, you've done a terrible wrong. You've removed something from the world that can never be put back. You've created a level of anguish that is rippled out and caused problems that you will, people will never recover from. So like, what do you do at that point? Do you like give up? Do you accept the idea that you're not worthy of love or peace or anything like that? Or do you just continue to attempt to live a better life and be a better person and hope that at some point you'll find someone who will see you for how you are now and not find the person that you were to be so repulsive that they run away, despite how much you might be better now. I don't know. But I think think this is the crux of the film. Right. And I think that that's one of the things that I find. It's like weird that a Paul Schrader film should feel hopeful in that way. Because it's basically saying, like, you know, it's it's not redemption or forgiveness, but it's it's an acceptance. And isn't that honestly better? Or maybe it's not saying that. Maybe that's just what I'm seeing. I don't know. I don't know. You could be right. I think it's the question of, like, I mean, I, I don't see these characters as real people. Maybe I would feel differently if they were real. Maybe I would feel... Uh, I don't forgiving is the word, but recognizing that they are uh, that it is a nuanced experience to have the kind of life that that Narvel lived. At the same time, I think it is okay to be maybe more to to view a character with less nuance because you know that they're ultimately not a real person. Like you can you can you, the audience, can have a stronger moral stance because the complications are not not real life. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right. Well, <laughs> we got to watch Succession. We do have to watch this. I just, it's interesting to me to hear like they're not real people because like no one's real people. Like every, no, I know. Every, I, I, I agree with you. Fictional character and even characters based in reality are constructs. Yeah. I, I know. Stories, and that's so. that, in a way that's almost like my thesis. It's like I can be more judicious in a way because the consequences are not the consequences are fictional, right? Right. And maybe this is the thing that would never happen in reality, but like, it might be nice to believe that it could. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't see it. I don't see the relationship that forms as, as a negative. And it may be a positive that can only exist in fiction, but like, that's kind of what fiction's like hanging out and there for. I don't see it as a positive or a negative in a way. I see it as just like something that is so hard for me to, believe on screen that i just don't register it like it me i'm not against the relationship i'm not for the relationship i'm just like oh yeah this would never happen Hmm. well yeah if you if you can't get over that hump i can understand why that would be a problem yeah so it's like in terms of like it's there with the cgi flowers meanwhile those flowers at the beginning during the credits <gasps> that was boring yeah gorgeous. they were that's the other thing again it's like when like speaking on um thinking that it was going to be like much more detailed and technical in some ways and like in terms of 
just where it was going that whole opening because of having you know like the ongoing credit sequence and those flowers i don't know just set a completely different or like it set a tone that then went in a completely different direction well i was 100 percent expecting this to be like remains of the day and instead it's like oh no this guy's in witsec because he fucking murdered people because he was a white supremacist it's like oh (laughs) oh shit okay not what i was expecting then no but it's you like mentioning remains of the day like that is such like yeah no especially because like the whole tone of him in the beginning and everything Mm -hmm. like his name is narvel roth like that's the most remains of the day name that a person could have that's the thing is remains of the day and then also chance the gardener could also have been like a reference (laughs) point that they did not come into (laughs) i'm sorry do you mean chauncey gardener Chauncey, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Apologies all. Symbolism. Well, no, yes. I mean, in the movie, his name was Chance the Gardener, but everyone thought it was Chauncey. Yes, Chauncey. God, being there is a fucking great movie. I think we did that as a uh, as a um, a classic review once. Well, this must have been before my time. I think it was before both of your times, if I'm being honest. Mm. I don't know. Bill, do you have any oh, memory God. of that? The fuck? All right. What are you talking about? The Chauncey Gardener? There. We talked about being there at some point, right? What is being there? Being okay, oh. then never mind. Wow. Wow. Peter Sellers. Shirley yeah. McLean. It's no, never seen this. <gasps> what? I know of it, but I've never seen it. It's so what? fucking funny. It's great. I'm this out- is the movie where everyone thinks this guy's a genius. Yeah, but he's like just yeah. he's literate like he's he is he is a master gardener. Um, but his 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 uh his like patron dies and the the executive estate's just like you've been given literally nothing you just gotta go and so he leaves this like literal walled garden and like enters into like i don't know 1970s washington dc but because he is so well put together and because he's just got such an affect people think he's like a political genius yeah, and he has like such simple ways to put things without knowing any of the context. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. You got to see it. Maybe if I can't find that we've done it as a uh, an episode in the past, maybe we'll we'll do it again. If I can find no yeah. evidence of this false memory of mine, <laughs> I could have sworn that we did it, but I googled it and I'm not seeing it anywhere. So, hmm. well, you could just do a whole gardening series. Yes, all all episodes. Oh yeah, the from Versailles movie. <laughs> Yeah, we'll be about guard. We'll do. Use our hands. Does that count? Uh, maybe. There's pruning. Maybe we should. Okay, so the next one we're gonna do is definitely gonna be a constant gardener, right? Yes. Oh god, that movie. I love that movie. (laughs) I I think I fell asleep during that movie when I Mm. saw it. You fall asleep during a lot of movies, though. I do. It's like a problem. That stopped being a red flag for me. That started just being a flag for me. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you're just like a little baby. (laughs) Just like, well, like also, did you see it in a theater and it was it comfy? No, it was in my friend's basement and it was comfy. Were you still? Also, that movie is boring. Yeah, no, it is just that whole thing though of just like if you're in a comfy space and like. That's why, like, I don't necessarily like, um, you know, the, like, recliners in theaters. I know That's what you mean, That's why when you sit down in a movie theater, you put a rock on your seat before you sit down. So you're constantly exactly. you shifting and like, God, this fucking wow. rock. <laughs>
Anyway, yeah, um, so I, I feel like that's the end. I don't know that. Yeah, we've come let's to get any, the fuck out of here. I don't feel like we've come to any firm conclusions. I feel like we're no, just but we got way it. more out of this movie than I was anticipating. I'm I, almost I like, was, huh? I was 100% anticipating that this would be a movie that we talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. Mainly because I was like, I'm gonna love it. Robin's gonna maybe hate it, and we're gonna have to talk a lot about all the the crazy. Like like uh, Schrader said, hot button stuff in this movie. And we did. And it was great. And I loved it. Um, I didn't hate it, honestly. I think I'm maybe the most skeptical of it. But Bill was pretty skeptical of it, too. Yeah. And I love being here for the ride of this conversation. <laughs> you never know where it's going to go next. Um, <laughs> thank you to everyone who's still listening. You got to get to the eventual part in every episode where I talk about my friend killing himself. I hope you finished your beer when I brought that up. Um that's it for today, though, right? Uh, Robin, what are we talking about next week? The new Nicole Holof Center movie. <gasps> oh, my God. What is it called? It's called You Hurt My Feelings. Oh, yeah. I was going to call it you, you Must Remember This. <laughs> it's, it's one of those titles that, it, like, who fucking cares what it is? Like, no sudden move. Yeah, it it mm-hmm. reminds me of as I love Nicole Holof Center. I, I, but the problem that I'm I'm just about to say right now is I love that movie she did with um, Julie Louis Dreyfus and uh, Tony Soprano, and I can't yeah. remember the name of it for fucking shit. Oh, enough said. I love yeah. that movie. But that's oh. the the problem with the movies is it's the same thing with um shit Nancy Myers, where I just don't know where the fuck I these titles are coming up. from. Yeah, or like, like the um the new Kelly Reichard movie, where I'm like, no pigeons, like. Is it called No Pigeons? pigeons? No, No, it's called called like Certain Pigeons. Isn't it called like a pigeon on a statue or something? (laughs) Wasn't that a different movie where it's like a pigeon on a something on a still? No, no. On the the occasion of the memory of the turning of the latch or the turning gate. (laughs) I literally have to Google it because I just saw this movie too. And now a butter on a latch to get some Josephine Decker. Oh yeah, so butter on the latch. No, it's on the uh, fucking Nick Newman once said. It's called showing up. I'm sorry, why did you think there were pigeons involved? Because the movie's about a pigeon. Wait, what? Yeah, the new about a pigeon. The new Kelly Reichardt movie is about um, like Michelle Williams and a pigeon. I like that as a okay. It was Um, fine. Is there a statue involved? Uh, yes, she makes statues. She's like an artist. So is she like hates the fact that a pigeon is standing on her statue? No, she's like a frustrated artist who rescues a dead like a dying pigeon and doesn't really want to but then falls in love with a pigeon i don't know like showing up whatever that means showing up well you know you know the only way to go anywhere in life is to show up no there's a movie called a pigeon sat on a branch reflecting on existence yes so i know that one that's crazy but there's one that's like On the, uh, okay, I'm gonna look this up. Turning Gate. I'm just gonna see if Turning Gate will bring up the the name of this fucking movie. Turning Gate. On the occasion cult. of remembering the Turning Gate. Oh, fuck that. Get out of here. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, I would Let's get out of here. Yeah, right. we need to get on some Roy drama. Yeah, we got to figure out which of those kooky Roy kids ended up on top of the heep. Um, Team Roman. Will Shiv keep her baby? Will Greg? <laughs> Greg is the new CEO. That's what I predict. Yes. Um, yeah, this is the last <laughs> moment in which we will be unspoiled. Greg um, is Matson's puppet. <gasps> Matson dies 
uh, of a heroin overdose. No, he gives too much blood to his comms person and he dies. Poor yeah. Ebba. Poor Ebba. Um, yeah, so we're next week we're talking about You Hurt My Feelings. Um, that's going to be fucking awesome. I love it. Did we ever remember the name of the other one? Enough said. Enough said. Right. I'm sorry. I've already forgotten <laughs> shit. Anyway, so super <laughs> cool camp. Again, I fucking love that movie. Uh, I would probably watch it more if I could remember what it was called. But I think about it all the time, uh, especially as a divorced person with a child who might someday think about dating again. Um, yeah, so that's cool. Uh, Diana, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you. Well, thank you for having me. This awesome. was fantastic. And would you like to plug your... your well, actually, no, we're not going to do plugs yet. Uh, don't forget that we're brought to you by Mubi, mubi.com slash filmstage for a 30-day trial of Mubi. Don't forget to go to patreon.com slash the filmstage show to give us your money. And uh, don't forget to email us podcastfilmstage.com if you have thoughts and opinions that you feel like we need to hear. Um, so that's it. Now it's time for plugs. Uh, Diana, why don't you tell the fine people at home where they can uh, find you online? Cool. Well, on Twitter, where apparently I'm the thirstiest account on film Twitter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was told that last night. I was last night with friends who are distributing a film what was it? It's uh, it's a German film. I, they're gonna hate of me. Of course it is. It's like uh, something something things are dead. We are things are dead. Something. Like, and <laughs> Another German movie. That is God. like the 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 goddamn most stereotypical <laughs> German title. I was watching um I was watching the new season of documentary now. It's on Netflix. Yes. And they had like the, the 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 um, Stellan Skarsgård. Speaking of Matson was on it yeah. and he was uh it was like a it was a, oh, it's it was a Defoe, right? no it was fuck what's the what's the goddamn what's the german director who everyone makes fun of all the Dog, time that was alexander skarsgård not stellan oh Alex. yes so Al- i'm sorry the skarsgårds i'll never remember um so anyway There's and also he like was bill yeah i know bill's infected us with his goldfish brain bill's like the hottest one too yeah. No, I, I, you know, I would go to bat for a- Alexander. And- Listen, I love him as an actor, but I think Bill, Bill's just maybe more my type. Yeah, He's but a lot again, more if you had feminine. seen True Blood, if you had seen True Blood, Eric oh, Northman. Yeah. Eric Northman. No, Dude. I'm not into that at all. I like oh him God. as an actor, but his sort of his weirdo thing is Northman, like. He's uh, like a he's like a chilly weirdo. That's his right. whole Robin likes, yeah. Robin likes dorky weirdos, not yeah. chilly, cool weirdos. Not ch- yeah. I have yeah. a friend who her epitome of the perfect man is the Snow King from Game of Thrones. Mm. Jesus Christ. Um, oh, anyway. the redhead? No, no, or like that's, the Snow King or Ice no, King or like, Oh, no, the, oh the you're the talking about the Ice with King? With the teeth and the horns. Like literally the living dead. Yeah. Speaking oh, of, okay, so I have to plug, Not Tormund plug, Giants, so, Bane. So I have to plug this, that at IFC, the film is We Might As Well Be Dead. That's the full title. Okay, there we go. There you go. But anyway, so you can find me on Twitter. And again, it was like I was hanging out with friends who I hadn't seen in a while. And they're like, you literally are the thirstiest account. And I'm so like, you're great. just like horny on main all the time. Is that the problem? Yeah, that's literally what they said. And they appreciated it. And I'm just like, you know, and actually, I feel like to love film and be a film fan, it is just thirst. One hundred percent. Because if you don't yeah. want to fuck everybody on screen, what are you doing? Yeah, like the whole point is like charisma. Exactly. 
Like whether it's charisma from the characters, the actors, the story, it's something exactly. And it's like I don't want to literally fuck everyone. It's just like emotionally, right? Otherwise, you know, I could just go That's out. That's because Robin is dead. Robin is a demisexual. So, oh my god, and we should respect that as we approach Pride. You're killing me. You're just <laughs> killing me. I don't know. Let's go. Let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Bill is, Bill also, is furious also, right now. For some more plugging, I am an assistant editor at Cineas Magazine, which is uh, America's foremost film political journal, something I forget the exact tagline, <laughs> but you can like we have really thoughtful, actually in print criticism still, which is a rarefied thing, as we all know. And you can subscribe. And Paul Schrader is a big fan of Cineas, by the way. Hmm. He plugs it all the time on his Facebook, which we all are fans of, I'm assuming. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah no and quad cinemas on 13th between 5th and 6th showing a variety of art house and independent cinema um and you can follow us on all the social media platforms so yeah so, that's, a- those, those are my plugs according <laughs> to jstor um founded in 1967 cineast is one of america's oldest film quarterlies and has long been regarded worldwide as one of america's most important film magazines so there you go excellent let's go <laughs> I'm just going to drag this out because I know it's driving Bill crazy. Uh, speaking of Bill, what's your shit? Tell people what to do to get you. Don't. Don't. Damn. <laughs> wow. Bill doesn't want to be bothered. Um, no. Bill's mixing it up in Slack channel every now and then. And can be found <laughs> yes, I am. On, online uh, cable UFG that he doesn't tweet a lot. Uh, no, I didn't. on Instagram. Pictures of food. Yeah, at Instagram. Yeah. Robin Barr, tell us about yourself. You can find me on Twitter at R-O-B-Y-N-B-A-H-R. You can also sometimes find my writing at The Hollywood Reporter. All right. As for me, uh, you can find all of my stuff over at thefilmstage.com, uh, written reviews. I think my review of Peter Pan and Wendy is still up there. Someone check that for me. Nice. <laughs> um, also, you can find every episode of this here podcast that's ever been recorded. If someone wants to go on there and cycle through them all and tell us if we've done being there, Please do that for me. I would love that. Um, and then, of course, uh, if you want to learn more about my whiskey that I talked about a little bit earlier, maybe off mic. I can't remember if I actually brought it up on mic. Go to inkwellwhiskey.com. Uh, follow me on all the Instas and the Twitters and everything at Brian J. Rowan because I am very uncreative, uh, but I have a very solidly unified brand. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us and tune in next time. Next time.